Most bankers aren't ready to help you until after their third cup of coffee. But with Central National Bank's after-hours service, you don't have to wait for the bank lobby to open to get help. You can contact us from 6 to 8.30 in the morning or from 5 to 10 in the evening, and we'll connect you to a real, live, local person who can answer questions and fix problems seven days a week. Bank different. Bank central. Central National Bank. Member FDIC. Sports powered by Sikkim365.com. Brooks, goodbye. Jonathan Brooks, 54 yards for the Texas touchdown. 365 Sports is presented by IdealMRI.com. High-quality MRIs for $497 or less. IdealMRI.com. Your health is important, so is your budget. Empty backfield for Williams. He's got a wing back and a receiver boundary side right. High snap, yanked down, sets to throw, scans to his right, scans back to his left. Is he going to run now? Now he fakes running the near side. He's going to whip it downfield, and it is caught at the 35-yard line across the field, running to the right side. He's being chased by Woods. Can't get him. 10-5 end zone. Touchdown. 365 Sports is also brought to you by Texas Farm Bureau Insurance, protecting Texans since 1952. Have you subscribed to our YouTube channel? Search 365 Sports on YouTube. Brought to you by TFNB, your bank for life. So that is a costly penalty that puts Kentucky back on the field. And then Ray Davis, all day Ray. Look at him go. Man, oh man, is Davis doing it up. 75-yard touchdown for sweet baby Ray. 365 Sports is turbocharged by Unite Private Networks. Find out more at UnitePrivateNetworks.com. Anias coming near side. Anias Smith, he's to midfield, cuts it back. This one may go to the house. Ain't nobody going to catch Anias Smith. Now here's David Smoke, Paul Catalina, and Craig Smoke. And here we go, 365 Sports on a Tuesday afternoon. Some honors and awards and some rankings to get to. We'll do that. Not the top 25, but college football coaches and their salaries. And then an interesting comment from Steve Sarkeesian on Monday about the players who are now on campus at Texas and uh, their focus. We'll have that for you, too. But Paul Catalina, Craig Smoke, I'm David Smoke in the studio today. Garrett Ross, uh, also Owen is here. Jack McKenzie, of course, Levi and Emery always 
a part of everything that we do. Let's start with this. Baylor defensive back Caden Jenkins, who had the pick and also the fumble return scoop and score, has been announced as the Bronco Nagurski Award winner for his performance. He was also named the Big 12 Defensive Player of the Week just on Monday. And then this one, not a surprise, although there were a couple of others in the voting that were interesting, including former Baylor quarterback Kyron Drones, Jonathan Brooks of Hallettsville, Texas. Man, has he been explosive. Over 200 yards, and of course had a hell of a game, nationally televised game against Kansas, and so he is the Earl Campbell Tyler Rose Award winner. Yeah, it was fantastic against Kansas. He's been, uh, you know, replacing B. John Robinson very ably this year. I mean, obviously, like you said yesterday, you're not just going to forget about B. John Robinson, but uh, that was going to be maybe to me one of the big questions is how effectively do they replace that in their offense? And so far, so good for, for Jonathan Brooks in Texas in the running game. Yeah, Caden Jenkins, a big week for him. He's got to turn it into more, though. I mean, he's a you know a young player, and I'm sure this is all everything he hoped for, and at the same time, a little bit overwhelming to suddenly have this amount of attention. Mm-hmm. But hopefully, he embraces that and he's built for that, and he can turn that into more performances like what we saw. Because without either one of his turnovers, they don't win that football game. So he was, uh, you know, highly important and and very well deserving of. Uh, that award. And then for Jonathan Brooks, I mean, same thing. Uh, a terrific game for him against the Jayhawks, especially these last, what, couple of weeks. He's really turned it up another notch. And uh, Texas, you know, that offense really, you look around, where's the weakness? I mean, where is the weakness? Outside of, you know, an injury, uh, I don't see where you really find too many holes with this team. That's the only thing that I really see. Uh, you know, we'll see this weekend, obviously, with Oklahoma, who the better team is. We don't know that just yet. Uh, we all have our thoughts on that. But barring that, if they're able to get past Oklahoma, it seems like the only thing that would derail them would be something you know, along the lines of health because they are absolutely uh, stacked, especially on offense. And um, you know, defense, not too far off either. But Jonathan Brooks has been a heck of a bright spot for them on an offense with a lot of star power. Yep. He has emerged as one of their better playmakers at the moment, and uh, that is obviously welcome news for Sarkeesian and Ewers and company. Well, uh, Bruce Feldman today in TheAthletic.com, I reached out to him to maybe get him on this week, but had an article about quotes from those who have either played Texas this year or those who have scouted them and been in person. It's really, really good, and it's like what I've said, and really watching it in person when they destroyed Baylor is what they have on each line. They, they have this young, talented, although not all freshmen or sophomores, but this young, big, athletic uh, uh, just beat you up offensive line, but also it's the defensive line with the full motor despite guys who are 6'4", 305, and running like they can run like mad from sideline to sideline. Well, that's the, the biggest similarity I see to their last great team in 2009 and this one is that they're, they're up front, they're fantastic. You know, and, you know, I, I think that, you know, quarterback was something that kind of eluded them for a while, but you can't tell me that if you had given, uh, one, a better offensive system uh, and the line that they have now to Sam Ellinger, that he wouldn't have been able to, to kind of lead an offense like that because he was a really, really good player. So, 
Um, you know, they just didn't have those things, especially on defense. I think that was that was one thing that that always kind of surprised me is that they never even found their way into a, a really consistent good defense at Texas over this time. And now here they are, yeah, they're doing it again. They they couldn't stop the run at times, and if they could, then they gave up just big gashing yards in the passing game, despite the fact some guys have gone on to play in the NFL. This seems like it's all tightly wound with what they have and the size of what they have leaning on people on either side of the football. Yeah, I mean, I give credit to the coaches, and I don't want this to be, you know, taken the wrong way. I'm sure that it will be, you know, by someone, though. But uh, it's money well spent, too. I mean, that's a big difference. You can go out and you buy an offensive line nowadays. You don't have to sit there and have hits or misses, and then if guys don't hit, then you're totally screwed for a year or two. I mean, you can just... Go pony up whatever it was a couple of years ago, 50K per lineman. And, uh, you know, that certainly helps, you know, solve matters. But I don't want to just put it on that. It's also Sark and company's ability to recruit just in general and their ability to hit the, you know, transfer portal in some areas. And uh, all of that has come together. Their their wallet, uh, their, uh, I- I- their um, I guess, uh, their star power, uh, their brand. I mean, everything just seems like it's kind of coming together all at the right time to make this team in particular one that is very formidable and uh, has a big test on Saturday. You know, <laughs> Oklahoma's no pushover by any means, but this is a different Texas team for all of those who are like, oh, well, they're voting the preseason. Oh, here we go again. It's like, no. You know, I, I was pretty adamant about, like, not think this is different and not that I was the only one by any means, but so far that has proven out to be the case and, and this is going to be a great game Saturday in Dallas well I I picked them to win the conference remember I went over my big 12 media poll and so far it looks as if that is absolutely on target but still games to be played including not just Saturday but others down the road but one of the other things about the best money can buy or whatever is that you have to make sure you're giving it to the right people yes that's uh, what I, yeah yeah that's yeah. what I said you still be able to recruit and, and all of that but yeah no absolutely but it definitely helps uh you know when you're trying to completely Re, you know, overhaul something um, and build something, you know, the way that they did starting really, I guess, a couple of years ago with the offensive line being a particular point of emphasis for them. And you're seeing that the dividends paying off. And so, yeah, that's that's not a knock. That's just reality. That's not something they necessarily would have been able to do five years ago or 10 years ago. And so being able to have that along with just your typical pull of being Texas um, has allowed for a very quick um you know coming together of all their parts and pieces uh to where it's bubbling up this year and looks like it could be you know something pretty special look in just comparing it to professional sports you know there are teams that have all the free agency money to spend in the world and are terrible at it they're absolutely terrible at figuring out who to spend their money on uh, the Jaguars for years would just spend money doing whatever, like, oh, here are the top seven free agents. We're going to go spend money on four of them. But was that who they really needed? Those seven in particular, or could they save money and pick somebody better for what they do? It's the identifying the talent. Yeah, everybody can do it. Um, now, look, the, it's not a fair market. There's not a salary cap or anything like that uh, in college sports, so it's not completely balanced like the NFL could be, but it still takes the skill to go, yes, this guy is worth that money that we're going to pay him right here. Let's go get this guy, uh, get him locked up with some NIL and get him in the program. That certainly uh take some skill because everybody like you know you could put the three of us in charge of a team and say here's your budget go find some people well if we're not necessarily good at picking out who the guys are that fit the system we're running we're not going to be successful yeah not always the highest but one thing uh, a note if you look at their depth chart Kelvin Banks a sophomore Campbell's a sophomore 
Uh, and then you have Connor and Majors and Jones, all of them juniors and seniors. So, But it's below that. They've dug this tremendous amount of like this depth on their offensive line with many others who are freshmen, uh, and, and they are deep. In fact, their entire backup offensive line, it looks like, are freshmen and sophomores, and on the third team even, other than one player from, Bay, uh, from Longview, uh, again, a bunch of freshmen behind them too. Steve Sarkeesian said this yesterday. This is from Devin Messenger. He covers UT. Steve Sarkeesian saying that this is interesting to me, saying that players are coming to the 40 acres for the right reasons, something that hasn't always been the case. Explain. Uh, I don't know. It's his quote. <laughs> so I'll give it an opinion. Yeah. This, is mean, this means that you're perhaps the guys are starting to get in. That doesn't mean there's not going to always be entitlement, no matter who the program is or the type of level of player and recruit. But this seems to be is you might have players who are now on their team who are there, and yes, they expect something in return, but they're not there for just that. They're there to play football and be a part of something special. Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's that. I, I think, like I was saying a second ago, like the brand itself is a large pull, like regardless of, of anything else. And so they, they certainly are equipped with that. But um, I think that uh, maybe I'll take it more as – because I, I don't think like all these guys in previous years were just showing up and you know taking it for granted necessarily, but I do think a lot of people did show up and think that the wins were automatically just coming with having that jersey on, and um, and then just expecting that that was going to carry over year after mm-hmm. year of what Vince did or what Colt did or whatever is automatically translate. And I yep. do think they fell into a rut of, hey, we're the, we're the '09 team. And it's like no, it's 2012, bud, and you're not anywhere close or you know or whatever. And so I think that yeah, they finally uh, may have you know just the right group of guys who are in it for the right reasons as in for each other and, you know, knowing that the work that they have to put in and, and all those types of things as opposed to I'm just going to commit to Texas, show up, and we're going to win, you know, because of the jersey that we're wearing. Um, I, I do think there was some of that at, at various points in time. And so, um, yeah, I think they're they're showing up because they want to play for Sark and, and those various other coaches on that staff um, and all the other things that, that go with that. You know, we're living in Austin and all that, but I think it's, it's mostly like, yeah, they're, they're showing up and, and ready to work and, and doing it the right way. All right, here's another uh, graphic. This is uh, from the top-rated wide receivers from Pro Football Focus College Edition. Here are the five top-rated receivers from last weekend, and right there on the top to the right, a young man who finally was able to make some plays, given the opportunity, but also win, given the opportunity he also produced in Baylor's Monterey Baldwin, who was a big focus of my conversation with Dave Aranda yesterday and in the media session about how he all of a sudden, the give and take between he and the coaching staff apparently is where it needs to be. And he produced on Saturday. Now they need him to back that up. Maybe not 150 every week, but they need him to hit the big play at least once or twice a game, uh, whether it's a short crossing pattern that he goes deep uh, or one that he catches a post over the middle. Yeah, uh, I think it's – I mean, it changes their offense completely when the playmakers make plays. I mean, it's, it's not hard, you know. Isn't like, that amazing how that works? Yeah, I mean, you know, and I, I still, like, uh, there wasn't – you know, there wasn't a, a deep explanation on Richard Reese, but for whatever reason, and I would have thought they would, with the backup quarterback, have just leaned heavily into Richard Reese, and they didn't over those those games. And then when they did, look what happened. And then when Monterey Baldwin kind of got out of his own head or what was going on and started making plays, look what happened. 
Yeah. No. Yeah. yeah. And, and then there was the one where he actually, even Aranda brought this up, he ran over a few people along the way. Now, with Texas OU coming up Saturday at noon at the Cotton Bowl, Brett McMurphy showing that the last, it's only the fifth time. Think about this. It's only the fifth time since Vince Young and company won the national title that Texas is the favorite against Oklahoma. The last four times Texas was favored, they won. In 2006, 2005, 2006, 2009, which was that incredible game, and then also the blowout last year, 49 to nothing. They're just under a touchdown favorite to win the game on Saturday. Yeah, that seems about right. Uh, I think that Texas looks, um, you know, like they are a slight favorite um, based on what I've seen from both teams. I think Oklahoma's going to have a lot to say uh, and could very well jump up and win this game. I know it's not just that state of the obvious, but it's also the rivalry factor. You know, it's any given Saturday, but it's also I think that yeah, they're they're both very talented teams. So I'd expect with uh, what we've seen out of Oklahoma's defense and their offense, that they're going to be able to to get some stops and, you know, score some points, and same for Texas. And I don't know how that all works out in the end. That's going to be the fascinating part is to see how exactly all of that works. But, yeah, I would be shocked by either team, you know, blowing the other one out by 14 or more. I think that, you know, that's about the max that I would go to. But anything more than that, and I think whoever walks out of Dallas on Saturday, you're going, damn, are they the number one team in the country? If they, you know, were to have a big win like that, but – um, yeah, right now I'm expecting something, you know, along those lines is a, a closer scoring game. Uh, but it's going to be, you know, really interesting how that uh, unfolds exactly. All right, here are a couple of stats that I have from the College Football Media Blitz. It's an email, just a couple of three notes, and then we're going to get to the highest rated coaches, in highest paid coaches, which you know most of them in college football. The game against Kansas, Texas had 661 yards. It's the most in a Big 12 game in school history. As good as they were, 661 yards against Kansas. The previous high was 658 against Patrick Mahomes in Texas Tech. And we know those Texas Tech teams couldn't play defense. That was back in 2016. Kentucky has now won three straight games against Florida, first time since a four-game streak back in 48 through 51 when Bear Bryant was the head coach at Kentucky. Also, Marcus Freeman, named head coach on December 21, uh, 2021. Fighting Irish are now 5-4 and four overall against AP-ranked teams. Would you take that and be happy with it? Uh Yes, sure. Uh, yeah, that's I, I, it's a winning record. Yeah, so I mean, I, I guess uh, I'm not really concerned about what he's done up to this point. I'm concerned about where they are right now. And they won, you know, a, a big game on Saturday, and they seem to be primed it in a really good position. Um, you know, I don't know how people view that type of thing. I've never really. I know with like Matt Rule, there was a big like he was zero and five against yeah. top twenty five teams and, and that kind of jazz. But I, I don't know. I don't really. Um, delve too deep in that but it seems like he got off to a pretty sour start uh last year and he's made some great strides along the way still I guess some work to do as far as you know big time opponents but uh, that was a big time win by them on Saturday and and they're looking pretty salty right now I watched a a kind of what a a Notre Dame extra thing you see that now Baylor has one too but it was really it's interesting because you could hear like the the headsets of the coordinators or coaches it was like hearing fighter pilots on their uh, whatever their 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 conversations with the tower or it, with each other. Yeah, that Notre Dame video is worth bogus. checking out. Um, yeah. It's uh, really well done. It's really one of the better videos, uh, and probably on the cutting edge of what a lot of those videos are going to look like moving forward. I haven't seen every school's you know departments, but 
the way that they put that together with the coaches' headsets so you could hear the communications over the headsets Great. Uh, was uh, pretty tremendous. One of the guys that was talking was Chancey Stuckey, who was wide receivers coach at Baylor last year. Uh, so I'd forgotten about that, and then I heard them talking to him. And I'll, oh, yeah, and to hear all of the discussions and little conversations that are happening at all these very pivotal moments in that game and deciding what exactly to do or what play to run, um, you know, what to uh, – you know, what to say in those situations, you, you know, we kind of, I guess, uh, have some insight, but to hear, like, actually unfold the way that they told that story was pretty incredible. So job well done by the Notre Dame digital department or whatever you'd call it. That was a really cool video, and everybody should check that out. It, it, it black, uh, obviously, with uh, the quarterback and what kind of a game he was having, the moments they were just trying to hand it off to kick a field goal, and then, of course, they popped it for the big run. Then they went for two, which they had discussed like two or three plays earlier. Hey, by the way, if we score, what do we do the two-point conversion based on the defense that Duke had been running? And, of course, it worked, too. Finally, this one. The 25-point end-of-third-quarter deficit erased by Baylor was the third largest ever by a winning FBS team over another. The third largest ever. Utah beat Arizona in 1972. UCLA and Texas A&M in 2017, both down 27 entering the fourth Baylor's previous largest halftime deficit to win was 19 points in 1993 against Fresno State. So there, compared to some historical perspective, 321 is the time, 365 sports. Yeah, I think it's a really cool stat and uh, was awesome on Saturday. And, uh, yeah, I mean, it's I didn't realize how much history it had been made, um, you know, nationally. I knew for the program it was a big deal, but a very cool outcome and, um, I think that's something we're all going to remember for a very long time. And, uh, you know, I just – at this point, I'm curious if it's going to matter. I mean, do they turn around and get whooped by Tech on Saturday at home and get embarrassed on a Saturday night like they have before? Or do they turn around and they turn it into a two-game winning streak and all of a sudden they're 2-1 two and th- two and one in the Big 12 and they're at 500 and all of a sudden there's a path to go make a bowl game, whereas a couple weeks ago there was no path. Nope. It was almost impossible to see a path for them to do that. And now because of that UCF win, uh, that's changed, you know, nothing dramatically like – they're going to go make the playoff. I mean, that's, you know, even winning the Big 12 is a very long shot at this point, but they still have a chance so long as they win on Saturday. Same thing for Texas Tech, so that's going to be a big game. But, yeah, this this game's only big because of what both were able to do uh, a week ago, and, and certainly in Baylor's case, they had to fight out of a, you know, a huge hole and, and do the improbable, but they got the job done. And just the thing is, is how do you build off that? How do you continue that? And also, you know, do you actually start the game well, or do you play three terrible quarters and then think you're going to just turn a light switch on and you're going to make some big rally again? Because that's no way to live, even though TCU was able to you know, have all those you know, big clutch moments. I don't know that this Baylor team is, is built for those just yet, but they definitely had one last week. All right. Uh, Paul Catalina, Craig Smoke. I'm David Smoke. Again, this is 365 Sports. I want to bring this up because I saw this yesterday in the chat room. There was a question from Connor Johnson. He's an Oregon State fan who we got to know during all of the back and forth, especially once UCS, uh, uh, once, excuse me, USC and UCLA bolted for the Big Ten. And he was in there with us a lot. He didn't like, you know, some of the what was true serum and facts that we reported. It wasn't that. He was frustrated because Oregon State, Washington State appeared to be left out along with others. And now we know the end result. But he was asking about a report about Oregon State and Washington State. And I had really not seen this but heard about it. You guys were talking about it a little bit yesterday. So I contacted somebody within the Big 12 office. Garrett, 
My question was, are there any imminent or future plans for Big 12 expansion involving Oregon State or Washington State? No truth to it. Yeah, there's there's not many people reporting this at all. There's um, uh, There's been some smoke and heat to it from one particular corner of the internet uh and there's it's not happening it's not because if it was going to happen they could have just done it all at once it, they, there's no reason to to slow play oregon state and washington state in this thing if you could just have them and everything was going to be fine uh oregon state and washington state are not coming they're not even focused on coming to the big 12 they're focused on winning whatever they can from the from the pac-12 money wise and then figuring out what they're going to do eventually probably with the mountain west because that is where it's headed that's going to be the best shot for them uh in in the short term and the long term uh and figure out whatever they're going to do and, and rename it the pac-12 but anything you hear about oregon state and washington state definitely coming to the to the big 12 that there's definitely anything is a lie yeah it's, it's a it's, straight up and down lie no truth to it is is a uh, is the way that it was put and, and, and craig I, I sent you guys that last night when i got the response so there is that as far as those two schools in the Big 12. Yeah, and I believe where that's coming from, and I believe that even before seeing that, um, I read a little bit on, I guess, the argument, and I don't know, I think the way that that, I guess, story is uh, is being positioned, there's a lot of, like, well, if and hopefully and could and would, and, and then it's being taken, though, as, like, it's happening, and that doesn't appear to be the case in any way whatsoever, not even a shred of a little bit. It's more of, well, if this and this and this happens and this could happen and that could lead to them, and that's what it is. And it's not actually anything from, like, real things occurring, uh, if that makes sense, is, is the best way, I guess, to explain how I, uh, how I read it and unpacked it. And, um, you know, realignment's a fun topic. It's, it's an interesting topic, and it gets a lot of attention. And I think sometimes, you know... Um, attention can be a bad thing for some people uh, or it's the entire driving force. And, uh, you know, I think uh, in this case, it's uh, it's really, uh, especially for Oregon State fans, I hate it for them because I think a lot of hopes are getting up. Yeah, oh, absolutely. And yeah. Washington State fans, same thing, because I don't think there's any merit to it. And I understand the argument. I, one of the guys involved DM me to tell me about the documents that he read and, and all that stuff. And, and I understand the point but I think he himself would say, oh, I'm not saying anything. I'm just saying that, you know, if this were to happen and this were to happen. So the fact that it's being taken as a report is totally BS. Uh, there's not a report that that's happening. It's more or less, hey, if somehow those two get all of this money, which is not a guarantee by any means and is not uh, something that is an automatic by any means. First of all, they're trying to figure out their own situation. Like that's the first things first. And once you figure out your situation in court here in the next few weeks and you figure out what are you actually in uh, control of as far as the money, the payouts, the network, and all that kind of stuff, um, you know, then there will be a little bit of a clearer picture. But that's basically banking on schools getting like $100-plus million from the playoff, which is just assuming that that would be the case. And I understand, you know, reading it a certain type of way, but there's absolutely nothing of actual guarantee or substance that that's going to be the case. And so this is something that would be way down the line, if anything, but right now doesn't have anything to it. And if you actually listen to the uh, argument, there will even be a lot of, well, I'm not saying this is happening, but it could. And it's being taken, though, and being positioned by 
it's being positioned as something that is happening to get eyeballs. Well, but, you it, know, it, sorry. I just but, saw this tweet. This is, and again, I'm going to read it. Uh, this is from a fan, I guess, Oregon State fan. Sources telling me that Oregon is driving Fox to throw money at the Big 12 to add Oregon State. No word on was Wazoo, uh, Wazoo, because the OU leadership feels that state lawmakers could force them to subsidize Oregon State, meaning the thirty million they're getting becomes twenty million of Big Twelve. It, it uh, and, a Big Twelve administrator high up the food chain responded to me yesterday. There is no truth to it, so I'll go and with the person who I heard from, I will carry that. As a hundred percent validity. Well, and even that example already had holes shot through it. If you read the replies to it, that is not the case in the government structure, and that is not uh, the situation as it currently stands. So, yeah, that's that's an example of, you know, wishful thinking. I think in in a way, and I, uh, you know, I don't want to be big S talk or anything here. I just, I just I don't want people to get their hopes up when I don't think there's really any substance to that. Uh, I think that again, it's carefully positioning certain parts of like. Yeah, in a one in one million chance that could happen, but based on everything that we know, and I don't think that we've really tried to like fool people or you know uh, do any of that. Like, there's nothing to that, and you know, could there be like anything else? Sure, but I don't want people to get their hopes up and think that like there's something imminent or that there's something in the works because, to the best of our knowledge, that's not the case, and this is getting, um, you know to be a story that's not really the story that it's being positioned as. No, I guess I, is the best way that I could say it. Yeah, All right, and, and we're trying to do this with the, the highest acme of professionalism here. But it is, um, you know, people in the realignment space like to chase clicks and page views. We prefer, I'll just say, to earn them. And by doing the, the work the right way. And so don't believe everything you hear. We've told you this before. And again, we, this is sourced information and not speculation so that's where you you need to to kind of rely on getting your information when it comes down to the realignment stuff and oregon state and washington state let me just tell you so it is matt brown wrote today how interesting it was what is going on in oregon about realignment and how they're approaching it because it's a little bit different but at the end of the day the Pac-12 contract is up. So that argument they're going to be able to say, like, this contract is up. Now, if we can, you know, rely on some of this future money that some of the things that were still going to be built, but that also means that the rest of the group has to agree to give it to them. Right. So the other, not just the rest of the Pac-12 teams, the rest of the teams in the country have to agree to let that money go to them, which they have two years where they can uh, get the waiver, but what... Don't think that if they the other teams don't want them to get that money, that the rest of the 200 teams in the country are just going to let them have it. Yeah. I, yeah I, so it's a lot more complicated than just they're going to win against these other 10 schools because they broke up the conference. Well, no, it's not that simple. Yeah, I think, um, and I don't know about like how the money part works exactly. I know that there's an argument to be made that they could be in store for that money if everything falls their way. Like that's it's not a layup. It's not even a slam dunk, or it's not a slam dunk. It's not even a layup. But there is that possibility. And so the idea being that you have like two hundred million dollars, and how attractive that would be. But there are a lot of questions about that. Like for example, okay, let's say they get to operate as a two team conference. The Pac-12 is not an automatic qualifier. Like, so who's, I mean, you know, like you get all the, there's the, what, the six automatic, but like, that's not the Pac-12 automatically gets that. It's the top six highest ranked, so so they would still have to be good. Right, and so who are they playing? Yeah. Who are they playing in conference? 
They're gonna who find is on their schedule after this year that they're playing right besides now, each other themselves? Yeah, besides yeah. each other, and yeah. so yeah, sure. If that all happens, and then everybody around the country agrees to give Oregon State with their one conference win or whatever is put together, which would be you know shades of the Mountain West or whatever, and if everybody agrees that that's the same thing as what we're operating under right now, and that was automatic, then sure. But that's not exactly what it is and nobody knows beyond right now what that is going to look like or where they're going to be playing and so you know I see I'm trying to be as fair as possible I see like the idea but I don't think there's much of substance to it you know I think again it's a lot of of hopefulness and um you know there's a lot of questions about how all the playoff is going to work and all that but yeah they don't automatically like it's not Oregon State beat Washington State, so they automatically get that. And and it's a lot more complicated as far as the, the playoff payouts and, and how all of that works. And so that's not really my area of expertise. But I think I know enough to know that, yeah, it's not just a guarantee that they're going to have $100-plus million between the two of them and, and everything that comes with that. And everybody else is just going to play along with it and not – get together and band together and say, are we really going to let them just, you know, have a two-team conference for a couple years and just give them a playoff spot? Like, that's, that's the part that's questionable to me is how all that would work, and I think that's part of what's being figured out. But as far as I'm concerned, um, to the best of my knowledge right now, uh, Oregon State and Washington State are trying to figure out this lawsuit, and then you can kind of operate and move from there. But, like, any idea, like, just to be clear, any idea that some Big 12 move is imminent is not true. All right, let's, let's say that. That is up. not true. Put the graphic up one more time, Garrett. Just one more time. Uh, I, so I asked, this is what we did for two plus years when there were uh, thoughts, reports, speculation, whatever. And a lot of times about 50% of them, again, were thrown up against the wall just if they stuck at some point later on down the road. 90% of them never did. Uh, are there any imminent or future plans for the Big 12 to expand involving Oregon State or Washington State? No truth to it. Sit from somebody that is... I've never gotten bad information from, ever, ever. And so there we are with that. Yeah, and I hate that. I would love for Oregon State and Washington State, I think we've all said multiple times, we'd love for them to be in the conference. But, um, you know, I'm, I don't want to get people's hopes up, and I, I'm very curious to see how they land, where they land, and what that looks like. And I understand, like I said, um, that there's an idea of, like if, if a bunch of things fall like the perfect way, uh, then sure, you'd be really rich and be, I guess, a bit more attractive. But that still doesn't guarantee that the Big 12 would be the conference to walk up and be like, hey, you want to go out now? Because that part of it is just, I think, well, they have to do it is the argument. That's the argument. Like, so why is this going to Well, because they'd have to. But why? Well, because they'd have to. Because all this money, it's like, they don't have to do anything. They don't have to do a damn thing. And so, no, that's not a good argument for why it would have to happen. But, um, yeah, I, I, I wish that there – you know, nobody would love more for us than us to have that be real and be chasing down, like, let's get Oregon State on the phone and let's get Washington State on the phone and let's talk about it and how that would look and, and all of that. But I, I, we're not going to do that because, from our point of view, that's just – there's nothing to that. All right, let's break, please. Uh, Barry Trammell – who used to write for years for the Oklahoman. He's now a part of a, a website, selloutcrowd.com. He's a columnist and also does a, a podcast. He will join us on Oklahoma. Do we know who they are? Does he know who they are? And then later on, just after 5 o'clock, Roger Wallace, who's the color analyst for Texas Longhorns Radio, he will join us at just after 5. We have a lot to get to, an update. Craig will give updates on the Major League Baseball playoffs. And also, I saw the latest television numbers came out from the weekend, that too. This 
is 365 Sports. Stonewood Dental, Robinson, Texas. I will be back there. It's not this week, but another week or two from now. And then I also am going to look at options for my bridge that popped loose the other day. Got It became loose. And Dr. Childress did an incredible job of getting it fixed. So he sat down with me. He called me up on his, obviously, his schedule is crammed and busy on a Friday, which, you know, just loaded. He said, come by and see me. He wanted to go over options with me about my bridge, which he was able to handle and take care of a couple of weeks ago. And that was something I'm like, my God, what do I do now? And there are options, not just implants or a permanent bridge or whatever. There's other options along the way, like something called a hybrid. Now, it's not cheap. It costs money, but it's your smile. It's your jaw. It's your mouth. It's your dental work. All of that in the above. And Dr. Childress and Dr. Warren from Brazos Oral Specialist in Surgery are trying to help me make the right decision. Now, it's going to cost money, and I have to make that budget decision, too. If you want the best in dentistry... Dr. Steve Childress in Stonewood Dental in Robinson, Texas. During Jeep Adventure Days, Alan Samuels in Waco is celebrating with an incredible line of 2023 models like the Grand Cherokee, Renegade, Wrangler, and Gladiator. Come see what Alan Samuels can offer you and your family and find the Jeep SUV that fits your lifestyle. Pioneer Steel and Pipe opened their doors in 1943 and they have never wavered with their focus on great product and customer service, relationships with a handshake, making sure you, the customer, is satisfied. Their new facility is now twice the size, allowing new inventory, higher quantities, and in a much more organized fashion. In addition to the long lengths in tubing, angles, channels, rods, and flat Pioneer Steel and Pipe now offer several shorter, more convenient lengths of material already cut. Their 2,500 square foot showroom has over a thousand new products in stock, new welding supplies, hardware, quickcrete, and do-it-yourself components for any project, whether you are a professional contractor or weekend warrior. The new facility is designed to make your loading experience faster and more efficient with easy drive lanes around the building and much more room to get your trailer loaded. Our location may have changed, but our values haven't, and our relationship with customers goes much farther than just business. Pioneer Steel and Pipe on Loop 340 and Highway 6 and just east of I-35 in Waco. Automatic Chef Canteen is a full-service micro-market vending and office coffee provider with state-of-the-art vending equipment, a wide variety of products, and offering custom-fitted micro-market vending office coffee solutions for your employee break room. You want a full break room solution and a workplace oasis? Well, Automatic Chef Canteen, locally owned and operated for over 50 years in Central Texas, also includes in-house mechanics on call 24-7 for fast, reliable service and maintenance. Automatic Chef Canteen, 6900 Imperial Drive in Waco or online at automaticchefcanteen.com. Looking to connect with Baylor alums in your area? Baylor alumni can help. Looking to host a watch party in your city? Baylor alumni can get you started. Want to step out in your community and serve with other alums? Baylor alumni is your connection with the university and each other. Let's get started. Learn how at baylor.edu slash alumni. Stepping into a new pair of boots is great, but stepping into the boots of a U.S. Army officer can also add confidence and leadership skills to your son or daughter's career path. There are more than 150 occupational specialties to help them find the best fit for their future. See all the things your son or daughter can achieve in our boots at goarmy.com. 
U.S. Army Waco Recruiting Company, 254-598-8131 or 254-776-1543. This is 365 Sports. The 3 o'clock hour is sponsored by Waco Custom Marketplace. Meats, sweets, Texas treats, and a cut above the rest. 425 Lake Air Drive, Waco. Here we go, 365 Sports, Barry Trammell, selloutcrowd.com, longtime columnist, and also now has his podcast that he does, uh, is with us on 365 Sports with Craig and David and also Paul. Barry, thanks for your time. How do you like the podcast business? Well, I like it just fine. Uh, the good news is I'm getting to do, still do all the writing. You know, I'm writing as much as ever or, you know, close to it. Then you're adding the podcasting and video. Of course, you, a face like mine, you just got to put it on video. The the, the math is demanding. Yep. So, yep. Uh, you know, there's always the video element. Uh, they told me today. They told me the other day uh, we need to scoot farther back from the camera. <laughs> so, uh, they literally, they literally told me that. So, mm. uh, but that's the way it goes. But we're having a blast. Uh, you know, I've been newspapers for 45 years. Started when I was 17. Mm. And um, now, not you know, last month, six weeks, haven't been working for a newspaper, so been a little bit of a a culture shift. But uh, we're having a having a blast. Jenny Carlson came with me, my longtime colleague at the Oklahoman. So we're having a good time. Well, we have not had more fun than we've had the last three plus years since we began ours back in April of 2020. So that's good to hear. Now, do you know who Oklahoma is right now? Uh, yes, I think I do, actually. I think I do. Um, they're a pretty good football team, and they're very much – they're at least what they were last year. And when people hear that, they say, what are you talking about? They were 6-7 and seven last year. But they were an okay football team last year. They just lost all their close games. You know, you can't lose all your close games. The close games are toss-up. Anybody can win a close game. And OU really, I think they played five one-possession games. They lost them all. So they were really like a, a eight and five, nine and four type team. Still below OU standards, but they were pretty good teams. Just happened to have, you know, bad luck or or ill fortune, whatever you want to call it. So that's about. I think that's the baseline for where they're at now. Now, if you're an optimist, you think, hey. Go down and beat Texas, and all of a sudden you're in the playoff hunt, which would be true. I don't know if they can beat Texas, but I do think this is a pretty good Oklahoma team. Snake bit last year. So far this year, not so much snake bit. Do you think that is comfort in the system, maturity? Is there is there one thing that stands out to you with this group that, that they're able to do that so far this year as where last year they if they were given an opportunity to trip, they tripped? Yeah, two things. One is um, the schedule's been very easy. It's the easiest schedule in OU football history. Twelve games on the schedule. Six of the 12 games are against schools that were not in a Power 5 conference last year. They got three non-conference games. SMU was the toughest. Uh, they also uh, get, got three. They get three of the uh, four newcomers to the Big 12, Central Florida, U Cincinnati, um, UCF. So schedule's incredibly easy. 
And as we know, you know, the Big 12 is sort of down. It's a down year for the Big 12. But they have improved in some ways. They did a nice job in the portal. They went and got some good defensive players in the portal. So pretty clearly the defense should be better, and it, and it certainly looks better. So that's good. Um, is it is it elite defense? I don't think so. We'll start finding out Saturday. But uh, I, I do. there is reason to think they're marginally better uh, on, on the defensive side of the ball and probably about as good on offense as they, uh, as they were. Barry, what questions do you still have about this team? What what are the glaring issues, and maybe glaring is too strong of a word even given what we've seen so far, but what are the pressing issues as you enter a game against the likes of Texas? Well, they're not running the ball very well. That's never good. Right. When, uh, when you, especially in the Cotton Bowl against Texas, the team that runs the ball better usually wins that game. So... OU historically has run it pretty good, run it pretty good against Texas. On occasion, they've sort of blossomed in the Cotton Bowl with the running game, either new wrinkles or just, you know, sort of mature at the right time. I don't know if that'll happen Saturday. tend to think it won't, but it could. That's, that's the biggest thing. And just how they hold up in a tight game because, as we said, they haven't been playing tight games. Good chance this is a tight game. We'll see how they do. You wrote a column, and you spoke with uh, Chris Del Conte, the AD at Texas, and, and this is something you'll see. I don't know if it's Sarkeesian who mentioned this or what, but bigger bodies, bigger people. Uh, and he mentioned that to you as well. As, uh, they've gotten bigger, and they're just mauling people. That doesn't mean they're flawless, but they're just like the offensive line is like this huge brick wall, and the defensive line can run, and they're also big. Is that kind of what you got out of it? Yeah, what I asked Chris was, I said, you know, you hired Steve Sarkeesian, who had time in the SEC. And what what did you guys need to do to prepare? I don't know that, you know, in at least at Norman and Austin, this has been a constant refrain is, are you SEC ready? Are you mm-hmm. SEC ready? I personally think that's an overrated question. Nobody needs to get ready to play Florida and Tennessee. We're talking about Alabama and Georgia. So what we really mean is, are you Alabama ready? Are you Georgia ready? That kind of thing. And I asked him, so are you Alabama ready? Are you Georgia ready? And he said, when I hired Steve, he uh, or he was actually already the coach, I guess. Yeah, when the news broke. But when he went to Steve and said, we're going to the SEC. What do we need to do? And Sarkeesian said, we got to get bigger. said, those guys are just as fast as the Big 12, and they're bigger. So – uh, Sarkeesian made it a point to get get his guys bigger. And it's, as you said, they're bigger on both lines, and that's a massive difference. And so if they do well uh, playing this big, then that's going to be nice. Uh, that's going to be a nice uh, prognostication for how the Horns could hold up in the SEC. Is, George, is Oklahoma ready for Alabama and Georgia? Uh, the answer is no. I don't actually don't even think Texas is, but um, I think I think both of them are ready for everybody else. Uh, the SEC is overrated. Doesn't mean they're not the best conference. It just means they're overrated, and they're overrated because people start saying, "Oh, Mississippi State's good," you know, Kentucky's good. You know, Kentucky's got a pretty good program. Mississippi State been to a bowl game twelve straight years, those kind of things. But a lot of their success is manufactured. And the idea that 
going to Kentucky is tougher than going to Iowa State. Well, that's just nonsense. The idea that, you know, the idea that, uh, let's pick somebody, uh, Arkansas is is better than Texas Tech. Well, that doesn't hold up. The idea that Tennessee has something over TCU, it's not 1954. So, you know, the the difference in the SEC is Alabama and Georgia. So that's what that's what's got to scare the Sooners and the Longhorns. And frankly, Texas's victory at Alabama is a is a big deal. I thought when that happened, that made me feel a lot better about Texas's chances in the SEC, and a little bit better about OU's, to be honest. Barry, what have you thought about the growth of Danny Stutzman? I know he got banged up in this last game. It appears he's going to be okay. But I know that there was just a lot of hangering in general the last few years with the defense. Uh, but last season, him, you know, having some growing pains of his own. But uh, what have you seen? It seems like he's gotten off to a great start. Yeah, I think he's a, I think he's a legitimate uh, playmaker. I don't think he's like he's not he's not in the pantheon of great OU line bay. He's not Rod Showed or Brent Bosworth or Teddy Lehman. Right. Um the the sooner standards have fallen quite a bit, which I think, you know, everybody from Baylor to Iowa State knows that. So I just uh I think he's a really good player and on a defense that's just starving for stars, there's been a migration towards um Danny Sessman. But he's what they need. He's a really good player making plays. You don't have to be Brian Bosworth. They'll, they'll take somebody that just can tackle the tailback right now. So, uh, And he's been doing that. So, you know, I, I applaud it. Barry, uh, the pressure of being the head coach at Oklahoma, no matter who it's been, everybody's had to kind of, you know, Bob Stoops took over a horrible program and then second year wins the national title. And then Lincoln Riley takes over a program that was fine and healthy and really, really good. Where was Brent Venables, and, and is how important is it for him to get uh, one a win against Texas first of all, but also a team that's not just okay as you mentioned if they win a couple of close games in eight and four or nine and four? Yeah, it, beating Texas would really help because that's been the standard for a long time for Oklahoma. It's not that you have to beat Texas and everything else is fine, but if you do beat Texas, it means the program's in pretty good shape. Because winning that game is hard. And not too many Oklahoma coaches have survived long losing streaks against Texas. In fact, going back to World War II, there's only been one Oklahoma coach that lost his first two games against Texas, and that was Gary Gibbs. And um, generally speaking, you got to be successful against Texas to have a secure, nice uh, run of success. So... Uh, he needs to win, particularly since he lost 49 to nothing last yeah. year. If you, go, if you go down there and lose to Texas last year, I don't know, 27 to 10 with with a backup quarterback, people would say, well, yeah, you know what, he couldn't do much. But they got beat 49 to nothing. They didn't even really run an offense. They ran the, the Wildcat good part of the day. And frankly, it was the best part of their offense. So – uh, they just were they were just horse whipped is what would happen. So you can't go down there and get dominated again or all kinds of red flags come up. So I would recommend Brent number one win and if you don't win, um play close 
And number three, if you don't win, but you're able to play close, win in the rematch in Arlington if you get one. So that's my advice for for Brent Venables' job security. So yeah, so if you don't win, uh, you better not lose again to anybody else to make sure that you're sitting there staring them in the face. Yeah, that's that's exactly right. Get get that chance to get that chance to uh, play them again. Yeah, by all means. Barry, what uh, I don't want to say scares you, but what uh, stands out to you uh, for Oklahoma's from Oklahoma's perspective about Texas that uh, could be the most dangerous of the biggest issues that they run into on Saturday? Well, I think Texas defense is pretty good. Things going to be hard to run. I mentioned the OU running game; uh, they could get after Dylan Gabriel. He's pretty good in the in, in on the run. A really good scrambler, can make big plays, but. He's also not very big. Uh, he could get battered up and bruised. And I think Texas could conceivably uh, control the running game when, when the Horns have the ball. So if Texas can run and OU can't, uh, there's not very many avenues to victory. That's generally a way you're going to go home a loser. So that, to me, is, is problematic. Um, OU's kicking game has not been great. You know, field goal kicker. He's not overly reliable. This game comes down to a 44-yard field goal in the last minute. I don't know. If, you know, I, I, I don't know that OU wants to be kicking it to try to win it. So, um, I, I do think though that uh, the circumstances were an aberration last year. So I do think the teams are closer in talent than than the score showed, and I do think. Venables has them believing in themselves and has them playing better defense. So I think it could be a, a good close game. And if you get to the fourth quarter of a close game, anything can happen. Barry, if you don't mind, uh, up in Stillwater, they're in a mess. And they were last year after a pretty good start. And Gundy has been there for nearly two decades with winning, winning, winning. Where is the heat meter and what is the story, in your opinion, with Oklahoma State football? Heat meter's high, but he's hard to fire culturally. And he's hard to fire economically. He's got a big buyout, and he's a you know he's a OSU legend in a lot of ways. And dang it, eleven and a half months ago, his team was ranked ninth in the country. Yeah. So it's it's been a precipitous fall. But here's basically what happened: they get OSU as a coach. It's not crazy about the the new age college football. Mm-hmm. It's not crazy about the portal. Doesn't really want to work NIL much. And, you know, that's okay. People can certainly feel that way. I think it's great if you feel that way. But it's not conducive to winning football games. And if you don't like the new ways, you got to get out of the game. OSU got hammered in the portal. I mean, they lost eight starters. They lost nine starters, actually. One of them was a starter they didn't mind losing. But they lost nine starters in the portal. And they were all ball players. Here's where those guys went. A defensive win end went to OU. A linebacker went to Southern Cal, and by the way, is the defensive captain at, at USC right now. A safety is starting at Notre Dame. A corner is starting at Washington. Spencer Sanders, the quarterback, went to Ole Miss. Dominic Richards, Richardson is down there at Baylor leading the Bears in rushing, a tailback. They had uh, an offensive tackle went to Brigham Young. Three receivers left, and they went to Wisconsin, Houston, and TCU. Those are programs, most of them, those are big-time programs that bring in top-flight players. 
So that's a lot of talent. OSU brought in a bunch of talent, but it wasn't from Washington and Notre Dame and Oklahoma and and Baylor and TCU. So they just got hammered in the portal. And we do a lot of good stories, you know, in, in general, the media. We'll come up Michigan State two years ago, Colorado this year, down uh, not too far from you guys, Texas State. Mm-hmm. Oh, G.J. Kenny's done a nice job with that massive makeover on the mid on the mid major level. But the same thing happens in a negative way. Teams get wiped out in the portal, and that's a lot of what's going on at OSU. They just they don't have enough good ball players. Barry, appreciate it. Enjoy the podcast life. It's great. And also, you continue to write the columns. We appreciate your time on Texas OU and also the Nuggets on Oklahoma State. And Mike Gundy, have a great week. You bet. See you Thank later. You. That's Barry Trammell. Selloutcrowd.com is the website. Does many columns for him and also the podcast, as he mentioned, with Jenny Carlson. I appreciated his honesty around Danny Stutzman because uh, that's a guy that we know. We interviewed him at uh, Media Days, and you know his father. Um, And so we got to talk about that at Media Days. But uh, just curious because you do see his name a lot and – his perspective on, well, they're just thirsty for a guy and he's not, you know, your typical OU linebacker stars, but he's been productive. And I, I do think that defense has taken some strides, but I mean, we, this weekend, we'll know a lot more. We will know a yeah. lot more about exactly how much better the defense is, where the offense is and vice versa. You know, I think, um, you know, not in the run game. I don't think Oklahoma will be able to challenge Texas uh, the same way as they will be able to do vice versa. But I do think they will be a challenge uh, in some ways for UT. Um, but I, I like that he's not trying to sugarcoat it. Oh, yeah, he's a yeah. Lombardi Award winner or anything. Like He's like, yeah, they're just kind of desperate for a guy, and he's been pretty good. So, you know, that's that's a fair, bare-bones uh, way to say it, and, and I can appreciate that. But, yeah, this game's going to be something else. And I found it funny, and this is, you know, why you can't really just – rely on social media opinions because if you were to think that, you know, Brett Yormark being like, there's a crowd that if Brett Yormark was to be at the game would be like, what a moron. Why is he here? But it's announced that he's not going to be at the game. They're like, Oh, so he doesn't want to be here. And it's like, he's damned if he does damned if he doesn't. I I thought that that was a funny back and forth uh, over the last couple of days of, you know, had he decided to show up, they would have booed him out of the building. Had he, as he's not showing up, he's not going to. And I saw dozens of comments about, well, that's why we're happy to be rid of, you know, and, and so on and so forth and, uh, and all of that. And so, yeah, I, this is going to be a weird uh, Big 12 send-off, but uh, the end of, a, end of an era, for sure, between Oklahoma and Texas as far as Big 12 schools. My thoughts on your mark in that game. Roger Goodell goes up to the podium on the stage every single year for the NFL draft, knowing that people are going to say everything they can about he and his family, even his mother, father, sister, brother. Yep. But he goes up there and he takes that verbal barrage, right? He's there, though, and he almost got to a point where it probably bothered him a little bit. Now he laughs it off. Now he, like, he just go ahead like one of these, and, and I'm not so sure that's not what Brett Yormark should do. Go into the belly of the beast with the two schools that are leaving – um, and especially Texas fans angry because of what he said with Joey McGuire in the luncheon and all which that. Which was blown away out of proportion. Which, but, but, yeah, it, but they're angry, but that's fine. But I think you go there. What 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 does it hurt to, to be there at that game? It's a huge stadium. Probably most people wouldn't even know you're there unless they put the picture of you up on TV. Yeah, right. I'm, I'm with you. I think he should just show up and be the heel and just like yeah. live it up and get the greatest booze he'll ever probably receive. Hopefully he'll ever receive in his lifetime. Because yeah. um, if not, then, wow, what would you have to do? But, yeah, I think he, he could have been there and, and could have made it work or at least made it, 
you know, comedic, but I, I was just kind of chuckling because it's like, damned if he does, damned if he doesn't. Well, he really especially can't do with Sanky coming in to be at both games. And that's, yeah. I think, part of the reason why he's not is because he's kind of like saying, all right, here you go. This is going to be your thing now. Um, so, yeah, that's uh, that's going to be interesting to have Sankey there and get a little preview, although he's obviously well-versed. And, and this game's going to be something else, man. I'm, I'm going Texas right now. I don't know about you guys. I know we'll get into picks later on the game, I'm, uh, but I'm leaning Texas, and, and I don't really think I'm going to back off of that. Uh, but I am uh, I'm so curious to, to see how this actually you know unfolds as far as the chess match between Sark and, and Venable side of things. You know, I, I, be great. I, I just still feel like, just based on what I've seen, and again, I've only watched Oklahoma. I have watched for more than a half. I've watched them quite a bit because I like watching Oklahoma. And I saw UT in person, so that's a little bit different. I just don't see how Oklahoma, despite some young talent, how they have enough firepower. And I did not like what I saw in the first half on defense against Iowa State. Because there were some, like I said, what, 43 or 4 plays that were very heavy, deep, like 40-plus yards or more. That's okay. Texas doesn't have a lot of explosive plays. <laughs> no. <laughs> they just throw it over the top whenever the hell they want to, to Mitchell or Worthy or uh, Sanders, of course. Uh, he should be okay for the game. But we have plenty of more. We're going to have Rod Babers on later, Roger Wallace a little bit later on today, and a couple of more segments on Texas OU uh, throughout the rest of this week through Friday, and then their game, of course, at 11 o'clock on Saturday. Now, when we come back, the highest-paid coaches in college football. Dave Arand is on this list, although private schools don't make that noted uh, or make that public, but he's on the list, and it was lower than I thought it probably is, and I don't know if I can get the right answer on what it really is, but we're going to come back and give you like the top 10 highest-paid coaches. You could probably name all 10. One of them's no longer the coach at a place. And then where are the big 12 Why? coaches, too? Huh? Why? Yeah, I didn't think He's about gone. that. Yeah, <laughs> and then Jeff, when I saw his name in the list, it was even more like, what the hell? But we'll get into that and more. Craig's off the radar. Paul's top five. We'll have also John McClain, Hall of Fame columnist at 530. This is 365 Sports. Highest price right day and night. Average your car in Texas. Trucks will feel red, white, and blue. Average your car in Texas. Cars that zoom with lots of room. Average your car in Texas. Count on us, a dealer to trust. Average your car in Waco, Texas. Pizza, burgers, and Bears football. There's no place around Waco that serves them all other than Bubba's 33. Come show your green and gold and enjoy some of Waco's best food and beverages while watching your favorite team, the Bears. When real Bears fans get hungry, Bubba's 33 is the number one spot for ice-cold drinks, hand-stretched, stone-baked pizzas, and bacon-infused burgers. Join us for indoor or patio dining. Bubba's 33, Waco's restaurant and proud supporter of Baylor Bears football. Sick'em, Bears. With so many companies and policies out there, it gets so confusing shopping for insurance, and I never know if I'm getting the policy that's right for me. Luckily, I met the team at the Niche Group Insurance Agency. With the Niche Group, you can go to one company and get access to coverage options from many insurance carriers, and you get to speak to a real person about your specific coverage needs. With the Niche Group, I know I'm getting the right coverage at the right price. If you need insurance, talk to the experts at the Niche Group at 1-800-258-8302. 
At Ideal MRI, we feel blessed to be part of the Waco community. We're a small family business here in Central Texas. At times like this, the cost of health care has never been more important. And unfortunately, significant illnesses and injuries still occur. And that's why Ideal MRI is open and here to serve you through this difficult time. So if you need an MRI, ask your doctor about Ideal MRI. You can schedule online in minutes at IdealMRI.com or call 833-IDEAL-MRI. Waco Regional Tennis and Fitness on Lakeshore Drive is a premier elite life-changing experience where you can change your mind, body, and soul. Waco Regional Tennis and Fitness offers over 40 group exercise classes every week, including boot camp, indoor cycling, bars, silver sneakers, and more. If you haven't been to Waco Regional Tennis and Fitness lately, you're missing out on the improvements. New flooring in the weight room floor and locker rooms, new paint and mirrors added to the weight room and group exercise room, and many new machines have been added and arriving constantly on the weight room floor. New free weights, weight machines, TRX, rowing machines, stationary bikes, new treadmills, new ellipticals on the spacious weight room floor. Personal training with Christy London, Randall Corley, Alex Box, and welcome to Nathan Roach, where you will be encouraged and motivated to grow. A kids club included with your membership, plus sauna, whirlpool, and tanning bed. 16 tennis courts, plus a beautiful stadium court, and longtime youth tennis pro Britt Coleman and assistant junior Kenna. Adult tennis Tennis lessons in clinics with Blake and the commitment to pickleball with eight courts and instructor Jody Thurman. Visit the website at WacoTennis.com or visit us at Waco Regional Tennis and Fitness next to Hawaiian Falls on Lakeshore Drive in Waco. This is 365 Sports. The Sikkim 365 app is brought to you by Alan Samuels Dodge Chrysler Jeep Ram Fiat. Come by. Let's be friends. Three sixty five Sports here on this Tuesday afternoon. Tomorrow, Joey McGuire, Tim Brando, Mac Rhodes, who normally joins us on Tuesdays, will be with us tomorrow at five. And there's a couple other names that we have that are in the pie and in the slots for tomorrow and our show, including Ricky Thompson as well. So, highest paid college football coaches in America. This is on USA Today. They released the list. There's all of the FBS coaches. Nick Saban at the top, not a surprise. Dabo, Kirby, there's Ryan Day. The first three guys have won national titles. Saban's won 100. Uh, Dabo's won twice, and Kirby has won twice. So those are the three, one, two, and three. Ryan Day, under a little bit of gun because he needs to beat Michigan. And then look at that one at number five. Yeah, that's just one of the biggest bag fumbles ever, I mean, at college football. And um, I don't know what comes of that story, you know, as far as the legal side of it and what that ultimately turns into or how much of that he ever ends up seeing or doesn't see. But, I mean, man, you talk about just fumbling away major opportunity that you work for your entire life, big-time institution, big-time conference, big-time rivals, and big-time money. And, uh, yeah, just, whew, man, I can't, I can't even imagine what that feels like. And if you wonder, Michigan State fumbled the ball, too, because they reacted to his first year and gave him a ton of money because they trusted him. At number six, there's Garrett's favorite head coach and Brian Kelly. Look at the numbers, though. The numbers are still staggering how quickly it's escalated, no different than TV money, et cetera. Then Jimbo, 
You know, Jimbo Fisher takes a lot of heat because of the contract, the guaranteed of $100 million. That wasn't his fault. That was A&M decided they were going to do that because they needed somebody to turn them around. They thought he could with the national championship pedigree. But it's not even the top five or six coaches as far as money, although there's not much no, difference. No, but his contract made those other two happen for sure. Very quickly, top. yeah. Yeah, the, t- yeah. the top two. And if somebody like, let's say, stoops, I mean, they'll and then they'll keep going up. Somebody yeah. else will get not so, overpaid, but will get a bump, and then that means the other three or four at the top will too. Yeah, Jimbo just won one. And, uh, of course, Dabo won his after Jimbo, but Nick Saban was, you know, he was always going to be the highest paid coach. But when Jimbo hit $9 million, you knew that – that Nick Saban was going to get more. I mean, because obviously he's like two million doesn't even seem enough to be worth more than Jimbo no. Fisher. But uh, Jimbo is the biggest conundrum ever because, and we had it like there was a discussion on the on the chat room, like year over year, he's not like the players are getting developed. He's putting guys in the league, which means that he's got players that professionals think highly of. It's just in the moment. Of games, he's just not getting it done at the level at AM. So it's very strange if you look at what's going on with him. And he's got an opportunity right now. This is the best opportunity to win the SEC West. We'll see if they can they can be Alabama and keep going towards that goal this weekend. But as far as not having an Alabama and an LSU at the same time in that league that are heads and shoulders above everybody else, yep. where it looks like the league is pretty close to each other, you have an opportunity to go and win it now, which is why you're getting paid $9.15 million to be at Texas A&M. So we'll see if they can do it. Before you comment, Craig, none of these include the bonus structure. Like, there are still bonuses for winning the conference or being in the college football playoff oh. or winning the national title. This these, is their base number salary. Yeah, these dudes aren't paying car payments. No. They're, not, they're like, most of them have probably free housing as well. Um, so, yeah, there's all... We know Lincoln Riley does. Yeah, there's millions of dollars unaccounted for on this. This is just their, their paychecks uh, is all this is. Um, but, yeah, there's, there's millions and other stuff that goes along with that. I do think it'd be fascinating, you know, if people talk about, well, what about Texas and Oklahoma in the Big 12 title game to close out the year? What if A&M won the West right before those two come into town? That would be great. That would be, that you know, really would be cool. That would be, you know, something to spice things up. They'd be able to have the Aggies finally break through and at least win the division for the first time the year as those two start to come in, I think would, uh, you know, be big for that fan base to be able to say, like, see – See? And, uh, you know, would justify the, the Jimbo contract. You know, I'm sure there's other ways to justify it, but ultimately, yeah, he's there to not only win, but win big. And winning big means cracking through and winning that division, but that's not where their their eyes stop. They want grander and bigger than that. And, you know, part of the problem is, as good as they may be at various times, there's just always been a couple that just so happen to be in the division that are just as good, if not better. One in particular in Crimson, who they're facing this weekend, even though they've got him a couple times, that's been a juggernaut. So, yeah, if they're going to jump up and get it, this seems like the prime year to be able to do that where you're either on even footing or you're looking yep. you know, lo- at lower uh, to some of them. And yeah. you're at home if yeah. you don't hyperventilate. By the way, somebody just texted me. Leave that up, Garrett, if you don't mind. And we're going to get to the Big 12 coaches here momentarily. Someone said, how come Lincoln Riley's not on that list? USC is a private school. And then they wanted to argue with me about USC being a private school. They're a private school. <laughs> okay, But his his – is it probably the 10 to 11 million? In fact, I looked it up here that the uh, 10 year deal contracted 110 million with, of course, others along uh, the way as far as stipends. Unlimited use of the jet whenever he yeah. wants it. Not, not Helicopter. just. Yeah, not just for recruiting. Like a lot of coaches can't take the jet, uh, their family on vacation because the jet is there for university use. No, he's got the jet whenever he wants it. 
So not just, hey, I've got to fly to Dallas to recruit a quarterback. He can take it to Cabo if he wants. Mark Stoops, look at this number. For the head coach, this isn't basketball with Calipari. This is Mark Stoops. He's done a great job there. I did not realize he was at that level at $9 million. Heupel got that in a short amount of time, did he not? And, of course, Lane Kiffin now at Ole Miss is also at $9 million. It's a lot of SEC schools. Uh, there's one non-Big Ten or SEC school on that list, and that's only going to grow. So I, I'd imagine with the uh, – No, a 7 of 10, SEC. Yeah, but yeah. 9 of 10 with the Big Ten and the yeah, SEC. Yeah. So, yeah, I'd imagine that money's going to go up, and that's where you'll see, you know – where, where do those contracts go? How high do those get? I mean, what are we looking at here in a few years? Uh, I would imagine it's going to be 9 out of 10 or 10 out of the 10 again because I just don't know how others are going to be able to justify. Probably, can, you know, they can do it right now, but once it's going to start climbing further and further, I think that's going to be, you know, kind of a land of their own, and clearly it already is to some extent anyway. So that's where you could see more of that, that gap or that separation between those two and, and others uh, developing. But, yeah, surprised uh, – it's Harbaugh make. I just off the top of my head, I don't know what he's making. He's making eight point two five. So he's, right on the he's on the cusp. Uh, yeah. Lane, Lane Norvell, not Lane. Mike Norvell, Florida State, seven point three million. So there's some of those guys yeah. who are about to get a bump but very quickly. The in the in the top twenty, you know, outside of well, don't give any Big Twelve schools. Well, who's this? No, who, no. Who's number? Who's the number ten after nine? Because Mel Tucker's going to be off this list. Uh, James Franklin, eight point five million at Penn State. So there he yeah. goes. So the the Harbaugh only after that. The only guy in the top 20, well, maybe two in the top 20, who have yet to really, you know, kind of see where it's going are uh, Billy Napier and uh, Brent Venables, and they, they both make over $7 million, uh, a piece. I well, know and few, Freeze is 20th. Yeah, that's and, right. And, of course, in year one at Auburn. But now, he, had, he has more, like, Napier and Venables have uh, less skins on the wall than, than Hugh Freeze no, did when he was at Ole Miss. So, so yeah. now you say, okay, where are the Big 12 schools? Where's Sarkeesian? What about here are the Big 12 play, uh, coaches and how they are ranked? At the very bottom, you'll see Kalani Sataki, Sonny Dykes, private schools, and there is no, although I'm sure that number is found somewhere, they're not rated. This is from USA Today. Mike Gundy, who we just discussed with Barry Trammell. Brent Venables, who we discussed as well. Kyle Whittingham, the ones who are in uh, italics are incoming schools to the Big 12. Whittingham, Leipold, Sarkeesian at 5.6. If they have the year it looks like they're going to have, let's say, what, 10-2 and two or better? And, of course, 10-2 and two would now be disappointing, but it would still be very, very good. He's about to get a big, big bump. Dion at 5.5. Lord knows what kind of bump he's about to get, plus whatever commission structure he's on. Then there's Kleiman, Holgerson, who's under fire, Joey McGuire, he'll be on with us tomorrow at just over $4 million. And then Matt Campbell, Neil Brown, Kenny Dillingham, Arizona State, Scott Satterfield, then there's Arizona's Jedfish, and then they have Dave Aranda, $3 million. I think that's higher than that. I have not been able to get confirmation on that. It's one of the few private schools they listed, and Gus Malzahn is the lowest-paid Power 5 coach, I believe, based on the list I read at number 66, $2.3 And uh, this last weekend notwithstanding, I think he's really underpaid. I think a lot of that has to do with the fact that Auburn is still paying a ton of his buyout. So UCF can, it can be an offset. Can yeah. offset that money. So that's that's why. So that's not the only money he's getting every year or has. But eventually Gus Malzahn is going to get more than that because he's worth a lot more uh, than being the lowest paid Power 5 coach. Can you put that back up, Garrett? Uh, because one thing uh, here – 
is where would Gundy and Venables, so they're 13 and 17, okay. Or, or excuse me, Venables and Sarkeesian. So they'd be 17th overall and 30th overall. Yeah, Sark's mm-hmm. definitely going to get a bump here pretty soon, yeah. especially if this year keeps playing out the way that it is. Um, but that's just a, it's a weird mutated version because it's the schools that aren't going to see each other. It's like everybody involved. And I think that's what the Big 12 meeting's going on. I saw somebody. No, with a Mac tw- Rhodes is on, on tomorrow because he's at Big Twelve meetings today. But I saw somebody with a tweet talking about it was like one of the the school officials out there talking about how it's like everybody. So like that list, that's not really the that's the Big Twelve list for this year and next year. Yep. But that's not going to be the list next year because you'll take off Venables and Sarkeesian. Um, but yeah, they they were making the comment of just it's an interesting thing because you have Texas and OU are there, all of the current schools are there, and the new ones that are coming in also have officials there. So it's like this big blob of all these ingoing, yeah. outgoing teams that are all converged for this one, I guess, probably stretch that are meeting. So I'd imagine that's pretty interesting and and probably entertaining as well yeah you have the two outgoing the four more incoming it's just like this big massive it was the houston president i think who saw who who had the uh, the note up on on social media that everybody was there and and uh there is no discussion i saw somebody react to oh i would like to be a fly in the wall when it comes to what they're doing about arizona oh you know the realignment stop again they're there, and uh, Mac will join us tomorrow and be able to update us on a few of those things today or tomorrow at, at 510. All right, we uh, come back with much more. Uh, Mac is not with us. Let's go to a couple other notes. First of all, who do you not see on the top 20 list that was surprising to you? Who do you not see? Name, just name a coach. Well, we didn't show the top 20. Okay, top 10. You meant, you asked about uh, Sarkeesian. Someone asked about Sarkeesian. Harbaugh was at 12. I'm going to leave it at the number including Mel Tucker, who is a coach not in the top 10 that you were interested in where they might be? Uh, Marcus Freeman, but that's a private school. Yep, there you go. Um, hmm. Somebody asked about Shane Beamer in the chat. He's 24th, $6.1 million. That's the go that like the bottom oh, going rate yeah. in, in, Guess, in the SEC, like $6 million. Guess who the highest paid coach was? And what he was being paid per year in 2013, 10 years ago. Um, was it Bob Stoops? No. Mm-hmm. Uh. It's not really so much the coach, but how much the highest paid coach 10 years ago was making. Hmm. Nick Saban. Okay. I mean, I just who was making like- <laughs> $5.5 million. Mac Brown was 5.4. Yeah, I felt like that was the obvious, too obvious of yeah. an answer, but that was definitely the first thought in my head was Nick Saban, but I didn't feel like you'd ask that question if it was that obvious, but I guess it was. And $5 million, yeah, so, you know, they're doubling that up now. How many years later? Ten years later? Yeah. That's what you said. So, yeah, I mean, that's that seems about right. So that would mean then in, you know, another five years or so that top coaches will be making 15 or so, I guess. And, you know, with the new TV contracts, particularly given that the most – uh, those top contracts are from two of the conferences, and those two are going to be making the most money more than anybody, then, yeah, I think there's going to be, like I said a few moments ago, that increasing gap that we see in coaches' salaries, and it's probably going to be harder and harder for the you know middle of the pack, so to speak, or the upper middle of the pack to fight off uh, unwanted advances you know, as far as contract money goes. It's going to be harder to, to probably match when it starts to get up to the $15 million a year and justifying oh. that on your budget versus somebody who's got a you know a blank check, basically. So that'll definitely be something to, to monitor. But, 
you know, this is also part of the reason why NIL is such a thing uh, and, and such a topic is because of those big salaries that we've been looking over. Um, you know, it's hard to say, well, the star – Caleb Williams doesn't deserve anything, but Lincoln Riley absolutely deserves a bajillion dollars a year. It's yeah. like, wait a second. Uh, yeah, so I, I think that those those salaries and the fact that they've bloated over the years um, are a direct result – or, I mean, um, directly have influenced the conversation about NIL and is one of those that you can't really – um, get past along with it. Well, if a coach can leave, why can't a player leave? And I know there's a more nuanced argument for that, but when you do look at the money that they're making and the freedom they have for movement versus the, all the other people involved, it is kind of a sham. You know, it is kind of a really one-sided operation that doesn't seem exactly fair, and that's why we've seen the events of the last couple of years. All right, Paxton asked about Chris Kleiman. I mentioned Kleiman. He was at 38, $4.7 The Tulane coach uh, is Willie Fritz. And he was down the list at 59, 2.8 million. Jeff Trailer, 2.5 million. Now, there's also, if you have not read the article, go to it on USA Today, the school buyout. What do you think Saban's school buyout is? Oh, uh, the school? <laughs> 44.8 million. Yeah. Davos, 64 million. Kirby Smart, 92 plus million. Jeez. Well. He's worth every penny right now. And Jimbo's so. now officially, with another year off of that 10-year click, at $77.5 million. These I are mean, some there's, staggering numbers. There's some intense pressure to win, but when the fallback is you get fired for $90 million, I mean, that, that doesn't make the no, pressure seem all that, that bad, honestly. That's why I have so much respect for Co- Coach O on the, on the way out and that when he's giving speeches now, he's, you know, oh. he's just admitting like, yeah, you know, I was upset about it until they said how much money they were going to give me. And uh, I was yeah. like, wait a minute, I still get, all this, you know, you kind of hit you like, oh, I still get all this money and I don't have to do anything. Oh my gosh, I lost <laughs> my job and I'm, it's embarrassing well, that I got fired. And here's $25 million yeah. to go retire briefly yeah. and then maybe come back if you want to. And if you don't just stay retired, yeah. it's fine. He, he will never have to go to the unemployment office and fill out all that paperwork yeah, yeah, and, yeah. and then like submit all the things you have to submit, you know, which is like, honestly, it, it even in, in any situation, even as they go through that, it is just a strain on your dignity. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. He's never had to worry about that. Max making 5 million, Mac Brown. Uh, there was one of the name that uh, I, I thought, to, Oh, Kalen DeBoer at Washington's getting 4.2 million, $23 million buyout. He's got some other he's bonuses about to he's get about a to make some cash, right? Yes. He's Absolutely about to get a raise about to make some money. Hope you enjoyed that. Appreciate you uh, on some of the questions. Uh, Kurt Ferentz, who was in that list, is in the top 20, I believe. No, oh, he's at $7 million. Yeah, he's in the, well, that, that, that oh, may yeah, not even get you in the top, the top 20. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, where are we? Yeah, 18th at $7 million, $37 million buyout. Of course, Brian, the offensive coordinator, not sure what his status might be. So there you are with that. This is 365 Sports. Pioneer Steel and Pipe. Since 1943, they opened up their doors, and they have been fantastic, and now they're bigger, better, faster, stronger, but still the same to the core values with what they do as a business and who they are for you, the customer. Pipe, steel, and metal. But they're more than that. Pioneer Steel and Pipe has been able to get a bigger, better, faster, stronger facility, opened up back in December, And now they have more than twice the size of what they had, the original facility, allowing them new inventory as well as higher quantities of inventory in a much more organized fashion. Plus, they will still give you that handshake of not just wanting you to come by and buy once 
but be a repeat customer over and over generationally through whoever owns the business. Also, the standard long lengths and tubing angles, channels, rods, and flat, they now carry several shorter and more convenient lengths of material for you to go pick it up and not have to worry about cutting it or having somebody else cut it for you or you doing that a part of the process. A 2,500 square foot showroom with over a thousand new products in stock, welding supplies and hardware, do-it-yourself components for any project. And whether you're a pro contractor or a weekend warrior, they have what you need. Pioneer Stew and Pipe, pioneerboys.com. Right call can make all the difference on and off the field. I'm Mark Stewart with Bird Colgen Ford. When it's time for a new car, truck, or SUV, Bird Colgen Ford is the right call. Come check out our award-winning lineup of best-selling models in their class, like the Mustang, Explore, Expedition, F-150, and Super Duty. Make the right call for your next vehicle at Bird Colgen Ford. Bird Colgen Ford proudly supports Baylor Athletics. Sikkim Bears. <laughs> Established in 2007 and independently owned, Alliance Bank Central Texas is committed to helping families and businesses meet their financial goals. From their tellers to their board of directors, they know the importance of superior service and competitive products. Customers have confidence knowing that their financial needs are in good hands. It's your bank, Alliance Bank Central Texas, with two Waco locations, 4721 Bosque Boulevard and 191 Archway Drive on Highway 84 and at AllianceBankTexas.com. Member FDI see an equal housing lender. Waco Custom Marketplace is your hometown grocery store with a full-service butcher shop and bakery. Hi, this is David Smoke. The butcher shop can take your customized orders for seafood, pork, and poultry and custom cut your favorite steaks from bacon-wrapped fillets to T-bone to bone and ribeyes. Cut specifically the way you want. They have Norwegian salmon fillets, catfish fillets, sliced ham or turkey and lunch meat, variety of cheese available, and several options of sausage links. Fresh chicken breast or whole chickens, sliced bacon, pork chops, ground beef, marinated beef, and chicken fajitas, and always large briskets available, plus fresh vegetables. So the great product, customer service, and family tradition of the Bauer family continues at Waco Custom Marketplace, open Monday through Saturday, a full-service butcher shop and bakery available. Waco Custom Marketplace, 425 Lake Air Drive in Waco, or WacoCustomMarketplace.com. It was broad daylight. I stepped into a gas station for five minutes to grab a snack, and just like that, my car was broken into. They made out like a bandit. My laptop, my phone, everything. I called my agent to see what could be done, and he restored my faith in humanity. My claim was processed so quickly, and I was able to recover my losses. Stop by and see our agents at one of our three McLennan County locations. Coverage and discounts are subject to qualifications and policy terms and may vary by situation. Some say a dog is man's best friend. But I tell you what, boys, you better think again. Cause there ain't nothing better than some cows, pigs, and turkeys, too. I love to cover them in sauce down in Rudy. Your friends to Rudy's for some tasty oak smoke barbecue. Next in line. <laughs> 
This is 365 Sports, powered by Sikkim365.com. The 4 o'clock hour is sponsored by Boozer's Jewelers, the wedding ring store, specializing in custom jewelry and repair, all in-house. Now, here's David Smoke, Paul Catalina, and Craig Smoke. Retired stockbroker asking on the chat, can I give the Big 12 buyouts, please? And, and I will. I'll try to get that here. I want to throw up a couple more nuggets here. First of all, this is from Mitch Sherman. We've had him on many times. He is uh, with TheAthletic.com. He covers Nebraska. Nebraska center Ben Scott had showed a picture of him up behind a podium. Sunday practice in full pads. It didn't feel good, but you've got to go. You've got to go. You've got to do it. And, and what you've got to, you've got to do what you've got to do is what he's trying to say. I, those are too many words that are small for me. Has he ever done that before on a day after a game? Never in my life. It was needed, though. Not sure what you heard about this, that Nebraska was absolutely pulverized. They never competed with Michigan. Doesn't mean they didn't play hard, but they were embarrassed at home in Lincoln, like they have been many times in the last 10 years. And they'd given Michigan a couple of times, two or three times in recent years, even when they were losing records, pretty good. So they'd, they'd given them hell. Embarrassing. It's like, I cannot tell you, Paul, when Florida State, after they were won the national title, and then, then they went through their times with your buddy Willie Taggart and even early on, how many times did you go to DVR their game so that you could watch it when you got home from maybe doing a pregame show on the road or home Baylor at home, how many times did you do that? I didn't uh, watch DVR or make time to watch. I watched them if I could, but I didn't. If I had to work a game, then they were on. I was like, oh, well, I guess I'm going to miss it uh, because it, it just wasn't worth watching until last year. Garrett, did you ever DVR LSU as an option if you could not watch a, a pretty good game live? Uh, no, I'm a weirdo. Like, if I can't watch the game live, I'm not going to watch it at all. Oh, man. I have – I'm probably – Two for 85 when it comes to DVR in Nebraska football and then actually getting home that night if Baylor played at 11 or 2.30 or 6.30 and watching them, I DVR them every time, and I never, I have 85 times not watched the replay. So in the superstitious universe where the socks you wear matter, those things, don't DVR them. No, I know. And here's the deal. You can go back and watch most games condensed on YouTube. No, I know. So if you I, want my to watch brother it, so yeah. finally told me that. Yeah. Yeah, I'd, um, I I had to get out of the superstition thing. I, I just yeah. it got too <laughs> yeah. too stupid. Yeah. It just got dumb. So. And, and I just had to convince myself that, like, dude, it doesn't matter what shirt you're wearing. It really does not matter. And I know for some, hey, still roll with it, and that's cool. But just for my own sanity, uh, particularly with Oklahoma football, I had to just make a change and just say, you know what, I'm going to wear whatever, and whatever happens, happens. Maybe that's what happened last year. Is that when I started doing this? Yeah. Uh, no, because this year's been fine. But, yeah, um, w- what was your question? Cause I it was about DVRing games. How many times have you DVRed, for example, OU? So when you got home from covering Baylor or what you were doing, even traveling, where you could watch them in a, you know, through the game? Yeah, I, I don't do that okay, I've normally. Done, I'm yeah. two for 85, Yeah, and I'm not doing it anymore. I don't care if I, I even think they're better. I mean, I'm not going to wait to see the result because I know that there's probably – like, I can't look at Twitter. I can't do – well, that's not going to happen. Uh, I can't look at anything, text messages. That's, you know – so I'm not going to be able to do that for a prolonged period of time to actually be able to watch the full game and not learn the result. So kind of already learned the result, I think, has ruined it. Although, you know, yeah, nowadays you can just normally find a replay or you can get the – 
you know, the highlights, like you said, where you get the full action. Matter of fact, I went and rewatched the Baylor UCF game in about 20 minutes, yep. you know, f- twice or three times and did it in a very short amount of time because you could just zip through without all the commercials and all the other, you know, nonsense that comes with it. So that's, that's typically what I would do if I have to miss a game. But Paxton, by the way, give rule three years. I think that's what he, I, I think they're ready to. I think they need to, yeah. even if they don't want okay. to, even if they go four and eight this year. The, the big thing is, okay, when you give him that th- three years, What's is there going to be more buzz around him after that three years, or is now they're going to drill down and and stay? And I, I think that's probably going to be the case here. But um, but if they they've got it's a monumentally tougher task next year than it is this year because you add USC, you're adding those four yep. teams, right? And UCLA so and Oregon at, at Washington, yeah, yeah, and they're probably going to have to play at least two of them in addition to the schedule that right now they're not doing all that great. Can with. you imagine having a year if you're in the Big Ten where you get and Nebraska's been known to get that one. Ohio State, Michigan, Penn State, Wisconsin, USC, Oregon, and, uh, and Washington. Yeah. That I can mean, happen. Yeah. I don't think – I mean, because of their model, I don't think it will. But, like, you're going to get – they're going to get at least two of them, right? So, Nebraska is going to play USC and, and say, Washington next year or somebody like that. That's how it's going to work out. And yeah. because – here's the other thing. You – especially in year one of this new league, you – since the Big Ten is winning the brand war over the right. the expansion thing, you're going to want to make sure, especially early on, that your brands, which Nebraska is one, are playing other brands. So maybe they get lucky, and that's UCLA, who's the worst of those four right now, and that's not saying much because they're, they're pretty they're, darn they good, would, too. They, they would thump well, Nebraska pretty easily. Based on his history, uh, next year, congrats on seven wins, Nebraska. Yeah. I mean, that's pretty that's much how does. it's worked. Yep. Uh, if they don't have that, then I would say, okay, what does the schedule look like? What does the injury situation look like? But I, I would need to – and I really like Matt Rule. I, I you know, I think that uh, he did a great job at Baylor. I know he wasn't everybody's favorite per se, but that was a really tough time for – everyone around the program and I think he navigated it pretty well all things considered you know I know that it left a really bad taste in people's mouths when they're sitting to you know getting ready to play Georgia in the Sugar Bowl which Georgia was about to lift off the next year as far as what they became Um, but they were in the process of of becoming that and um, you know that entire week in New Orleans was basically marred by constant speculation about him and the New York Jets I mean, the entire week. I, I don't know from a player's perspective how much they were able to enjoy it or block that out. And, you know, it didn't affect the result. Like, they weren't going to beat Georgia anyways. Um, but, you know, that was, a, that was a tough time. And regardless of that, like, you know, the Carolina situation obviously didn't work out well. But I feel like, guys, you know, he's got to prove something now. I mean, the difference in this Nebraska job versus the other jobs is that if he's not producing by year three – no one's coming to knock on the door anymore and just offer up a kajillion dollars of guaranteed money like the Panthers owner did. Yeah, he gets five and I mean, a half million at Nebraska. He's yeah. he's kind of at the spot where he's now. I mean, let's. He's got to prove it. In my opinion, he's got to prove that he I, would be I, deserving I, of an Ohio State to come calling, or you know, some a Penn State, his alma mater to come calling. Um, so you know, with Temple. Hey, you started to get good. You got out of there after winning 10 games. That's understandable. Um, you go to Baylor, tough time, but it was, a, it, was a, it was a bigger job. And, you know, you do really well there, and you get them up to double-digit wins, and then you leave. And then, you know, a couple years in the NFL, and that obviously didn't go the way that you like, but he's not going to get the NFL offer again. 
anytime in the foreseeable future, if ever, based on what we saw already. And so, yeah, you're about, I mean, is that, is that get much bigger than Nebraska? Like he's kind of at the precipice of where he's going to be. And there's not a bigger dog that's going to come barking here in a couple of years. If they win 10 games in year three, like he has elsewhere, that's going to be like banging down his door. But you know what? If they are winning 10 games in Nebraska and he's done that for a third time, he's now done it at a program like that and done it in the Big Ten, then there will be. But, uh, you know, we, no. we got to get there first. He needs to win. Yeah. He needs to win. Now, one more thing. This is from Stuart Mandel. Craig's off the radar around the corner. So we know about how streaming is taking over, not all, but a, a, a chunk. It depends on what conference. But even the Big Ten will have a streaming deal with Peacock. We know what the Big 12 will have ESPN Plus involved. And we know what the Pac-12 was trying to get done, but would have been all streaming. Stuart Mandel. I'm not sure people have grasped yet that all your teams are going to have games on streaming services soon, including an NFL wildcard game this year that will be on Peacock. He brought this up because of a tweet from, I forgot who it was, Ohio State-Purdue fans were upset, football fans, about the game they're going to have will be on Peacock. One of the quotes was, the fourth-ranked team in the country is streaming and not on an actual channel. This is laughable. That is what's going to happen, and also why you're getting the kind of money you're getting in these media deals. Well, how does the streaming service expect to draw people in if they cannot play a couple of cards in the hand where we would like Ohio State, please? Thank you. We're taking that. No, you're right. Because otherwise... If I'm uh, NBC Universal who owns Peacock and I'm making this deal with the Big Ten, if the Big Ten says, listen, you're getting the scraps no matter what, no matter who that is year over year in this deal, they're going to be like, well, no, then how are we going to get people to sign up for it if the most popular teams don't wind up on it? And the team with the second largest living alumni base in the country, Yep. if we can't get that, because that's who why they're making the deal with the Big Ten, then we'll just go to a league that will give us their best teams on it so that we can use that to market ourselves. Yep. So, and he, Stuart's right. It's all going, like, everything's going to be on streaming. The NFL's about to be on streaming. The NFL is technically on it now because that's how you have to get the NFL Sunday ticket if you didn't have it before. So, yeah, major league, night on yeah, Amazon. Major League right? Baseball's been streaming their games for years. Yep. You know, hey, so I, I don't know. I initially was like, oh God, and, and I didn't like some of the production of ESPN Plus. I've gotten used to it. And there are like nineteen college basketball games, men's basketball games from Big Twelve bid the bid the Big Ten that will be on Peacock. They just released that schedule. Yeah, I mean it's uh it's not surprising. I mean, that has seemed the direction that we're going for a while now. I think, uh, you know, I don't know if his intention was uh, to also drum up the feelings about the Pac-12 and what their current negotiations were like where that was a big part of the topic and a big part of the reason that other schools involved were not so excited about it. Now, we don't know the exact arrangement. We know pretty good details. But, yeah, I mean, um, I don't think we're – to where like the pack was going to be where it was like mostly streaming. I don't know if, if everybody's all ready to dive in that far, but yeah, there are going to be a lot of games now that are going to be more and more on those services to justify those services existence in some ways or, or, you know, get the money needed for those services. So yeah, they're going to throw an Ohio state game on Peacock and that's just going to be the, the, the way of the world and has been, and, and will continue to be probably more so, but yeah, like the minute they start throwing Ohio state, Michigan and stuff on there, that's when we've reached like the, I mean, I don't know when we'd ever even get to that point or how far away that would be, but that's when I think you'd, it'd be a little crazy. But, I, you know, for 
the alternative, I mean, the Big 12, half their games are on ESPN+. Plus. I mean, about it's the same thing. a couple thing. of games a weekend, yeah. Oh, yeah. it's more than a couple. It's the football? Yeah, it's like half the league. Uh, no, uh, mm, on some weekends. Maybe a it, non-conference play. Yeah, yeah okay, some weekends okay. it is like half the league, a non-conference play. Yeah, okay. like non-conference like, play, we can distinguish that. Yeah. This week, uh, I believe maybe TCU, Iowa State, I'm not sure which but one no. they picked for that one. Non-conference, definitely. Yeah. Like yeah. Baylor, Long Island's not going on prime to, no. you know, or any, any major cable. Yeah, so on and, and so should. forth. But, yeah, that's that's going to be, um, you know, a fascinating next few years as far as how we're watching games and devouring them. And, and it does make me think of the Pac-12 and their negotiations and how they were trying to be forward-thinking and lean into streaming. And I guess it was just a little bit too much too soon. And maybe if it's two or three years down the line, their contract comes up, maybe it's a different story. And they're in the right place, right time. But, yeah, I just feel like they were a little too heavy on that side and people aren't quite ready for that or the schools aren't ready for Super that. Super chat from Chris. Thank you. I just heard the Steelers have signed Denzel Mims. I know – Pittsburgh is a mess with Matt Canada. What do you think about his future? He's got to have to prove it. He's got a he's got tremendous a play. talent. He's, he's hurt. Not, he's always hurt, or he's not playing. Mm. And yet, I and I thought again, maybe they would break the streak of Baylor wide receivers who have kind of at times been okay and then just disappeared or just never did materialize. And in this case, I, I want. I hope he does. Like the young the, the guy, and I remember the come to Jesus that I think an Oklahoma an NFL scout had with him after his sophomore or junior year and he ended up having a great year but his he's, last year. He's a he's a great he's a great human being. Really yeah. good really good young man and uh, I wish nothing but success for him, but he's never been fully healthy or healthy for long stretches of time. And so, you know, he's got a lot of talent, but again, it's all about health and the the NFL kinda eats you up and um, so yeah, best of luck to him. Yeah, um, there was one of my off the radar notes, but that's all right. Oh, uh, I'm sorry. No, that's all right. That um, was a super chat. No, oh, yeah, super yeah. chat's worth it. That's fine. Um, I think don't get your hopes up that he's going to come in and make a big impact. Uh, but I do think he's a talented young man. But when you know you don't work out in New York and you're a pretty high draft pick, you can say, okay, well it's the Jets. Look how dysfunctional they are, and this and that. But then when you go to the Lions, who are clearly on a nice trajectory right now, and they dismiss you pretty quickly. Yep. Like, I mean, it's not them, it's you. And so I don't know what needs to kick in for Denzel. I think the talent level is there. I don't know, you know, about the rest of it and how all that operates and, and what's um, prevented him from having more of an impact. But at this stage, yeah, I mean, hope for the best, but I wouldn't get your hopes up. And, and I mean that respectfully towards him. It's just, it, you know, it's the nature of his career so far. Yep. Uh, somebody asked in the chat last question before we go off the radar. Brent Venables' buyout is $30 million. Steve Sarkeesian's is $12 million, or a little bit of under $13 million. Um, I'm going to give Chris Kleiman's $29 million. Lance Leipold, $27 million. Holgerson's fourteen million. I'll go to a couple more. Joey McGuire almost sixteen million. Matt Campbell fifteen million, and uh, Scott Satterfield is nearly nineteen million. Those are just some of the buyouts from some of the schools. There was no information on Sataki, uh, again Aranda, and also TCU and Sunny Dykes on that Why information. Not? Uh, private schools. They don't have to divulge it. They're not private schools. <laughs> TCU doesn't want to be, right? Yeah. All right, so there you go with Just that. Playing. All right, Just when playing. we come back, Craig Smoke. And off the radar, baseball playoffs have begun. Numbers are out for college football games. And this is 365 Sports. Richard Carr, Buick GMC Cadillac. I'm having a issue with my car horn. It sounds like it's dying out, and it's just not 
it's, it doesn't have the volume it's supposed to have. It's uh, it's a problem, especially when I was driving home from Dallas this past weekend, and there were a couple times I need, kind of needed to use my car horn because somebody wasn't paying attention, and they were uh, they were uh, you know getting in my way, and I needed to use my car horn, and, and I wasn't able to use it properly. So um, I need to go over to Richard Carr Buick GMC Cadillac and get it looked at, and that's what you can do as well. No matter what you're looking for, whether it's getting your car serviced, getting something like the car horn fixed or new tires, uh, or if it's just simply going over there to get a brand new or pre-owned vehicle, uh, they can get that done for you, and they will do it with the best customer service in the area. That's something they prided themselves on for over 20 years in Central Texas. Right now, though, out in front of the dealership, uh, the highway out front, Highway 6, is an absolute mess. A lot of construction going on as they're expanding that highway. So it's a little bit more of a task to get there. Not impossible, not too stressful, but it's a little more of a test. They want to make it worth your while. And right now, qualified buyers can save over 7000 on a new 2023 GMC Sierra 1500 and can finance for 0.9% financing for qualified buyers. They've got dozens of Sierras on the lot. They have the inventory. They have the price. They have the financing to get you in a new GMC Sierra today. And if you're a military or first responder, you can save an additional $500. They also have the Buicks, a combination of luxury and value like no other SUV, first class, top of the line, ranked number one overall brand for new vehicle quality by J.D. Powers Buick. Uh, the Buicks offer uh, amazing value. Um, right now, save 5000 on a new full-size 2023 Buick Enclave or save 4000 on a 2023 mid-size Buick Envision. And again, military and first responders can save an additional $500. They're also uh, big when it comes to trading your vehicles. Uh, they trade for the best. So if you're in the market for a pre-owned car, not looking to buy a new, they've got a lot full of quality pre-owned vehicles that are there for you to check out and 100% credit approval is always their financing goal but going back to the start of this and talking about the car horn and needing to get that set up they also have an award-winning service department that I've entrusted before when I've had a couple of incidents and my car has come out like brand new in a quick amount of time and with great customer service and that's what they promise you as well as they stand by to keep you on the road they can't also or the service department also can't be beat on tires Uh, they right now are offering a price match guarantee on the lowest price comparable tires in town so service your car truck with the people you can count on over at Richard Carr in business for 24 years in Central Texas. Log on to richardcar.com today. Call now or go see them now off Highway 6 at the Imperial Exit. From the first workout to the last practice, sports is an incredible and rewarding challenge. Hi, this is Dan Ingham with the First National Bank of Central Texas, and we're proud to support each athlete, every parent, and our educators. From families, small businesses, to the biggest industry, we're here to help. With remarkable products like our free First Mobile app, we've got banking ideas that fuel big dreams. That's the First National Bank of Central Texas. Familiar faces making local decisions. Member FDIC, equal housing lender. Petty Clinic Men's Healthcare in Woodway is now proud to offer you men an exceptional weight management body sculpting product called semaglutide, also known as Ozempic or Wegovy. Semaglutide is an FDA-approved weight management medication. Once-a-week injections of this powerful medication offers an average body fat weight loss of 20% within the first year of treatment. In addition to body sculpting, semaglutide also normalizes blood sugars and has the clinical research proof of reducing blood pressure, cholesterol, stroke, and heart attack risk. If you're like most men and you have stubborn fat that will just not respond to typical diets and exercise, then help us finally here. Semaglutide, affordable, highly effective. Google search Petty Clinic Waco and reach out to the Petty Clinic team today for a free consultation with Dr. Petty to see if semaglutide is right for you. Go to pettyclinicloat.com. 
Shorty's Pizza Shack at 12th and Bagby is a homegrown, locally owned pizza place that's out of this world. Everything from the dough, the sauce, the sausage topping is made fresh in-house. Not to mention the amazing pizza pillows, the chicken wings are to die for, try the Sikkim sauce, chili cheese fries or tots, plus great specials on food and drink every single day. Shorty's is also the perfect spot to watch the game with your friends. Shorty's Pizza Shack at 12th and Bagby. Tell them Paul sent you by. At Ideal MRI, we feel blessed to be a part of the Waco community. We're a small family business right here in Central Texas, and our goal is to bring down the cost of health care while maintaining high quality. At times like this, the cost of health care has never been more important, and unfortunately, significant illnesses and injuries still occur. That's why Ideal MRI is open and here to serve you through the difficult time. We offer premium MRIs just like a hospital with state-of-the-art technology and specialists, but you'll pay less. Sometimes thousands of dollars less, whether you're using insurance or not. At Ideal MRI, we accept most insurance and there are no hidden costs. Even offering financing if that's needed, everything included in the price, and you'll not get something as a surprise in the mail later on. If you need an MRI, ask your doctor about Ideal MRI. They'll know. You can schedule an appointment safely from home online in minutes at IdealMRI.com or give us a call, 833-IDEAL-MRI, Ideal MRI. This is Craig Smokes Off the Radar, presented by Alliance Bank. They take pride in making banking easy, AllianceBankTexas.com. All right, welcome in. Welcome back. Time for Off the Radar here on 365 Sports. Tuesdays, Thursdays around 445. Sit down and take a look at just a grab bag of headlines and stories that are going on, things that we might not otherwise touch on. And although uh, in this particular case with the story I'll start off with, we would probably talk about this outside of this segment, but I kind of just grabbed control of that a year or two ago and uh, now have made it part of this segment, and that is the TV ratings, which um, is not the, the biggest deal in the world, but it's always fun to just look at kind of what the numbers are across college football and, and later on in the NFL uh, as well. Uh, but coming off of this last weekend, and this is for you know no other reasons than just really truly interest in seeing who's drawing eyeballs and what kind of games are at the top of the list each week. Uh, one thing that has been fascinating from and has interrupted the status quo of where it would always be Ohio State or Texas or just name the same five or ten programs always at the top of this list. Um, that has experienced a change up this year because of one man by the name of Deion Sanders yeah, and his Colorado. Buffaloes, And once again, Colorado on top of the television ratings, the highest watched game of the weekend in week five, 7.24 million for their home contest at noon on Saturday against USC. The only game to crack 7 million viewers. And um, that's now what four out of five weeks, I believe that they've had uh, the highest ranked gain or, or close to it. And it did it. it had the highest ranked game of the week. When it was played at nine o'clock in the morning, LA time, time, yeah, where it was being played. The only one that was not one was the Nebraska game, and I think that was Texas Alabama. Yeah, so like they Colorado was buff. It was in Boulder. Oh, it was in Boulder. Also, but the team that was playing in it, um, you know, the market that would have been most interested, LA, the major market you want. Right. It was nine o'clock in the in the morning, uh, for ten o'clock in the morning, Colorado. So yeah, those it's still uh with the. You would think that sometimes the L.A. market would not get up in the morning and watch that. Uh, they clearly did. 
because they yeah. that market drives a lot of ratings numbers, which is why you get a World Series game on the East Coast that starts at eight thirty p.m. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's exactly. Yeah, right. no, they're they're pulling in big eyeballs, and uh, they have been near the top of that list uh, nearly uh, every week at this point. Uh, but um, they had the top game this week uh, with USC seven point two four million people on Fox. Georgia Auburn pulled in six point four million over on CBS. A pretty competitive game there. Notre Dame Duke seven thirty on. ABC, 5.32 million. Those were your top three contests, and the only ones to crack 5 million uh, in that 4 million range, 4.48. You had Michigan and Nebraska, the 3.30 kick over on Fox. So 4.48 there, pretty healthy number. LSU Ole Miss, 3.72 million. Alabama, Mississippi State, 3.35 million. And then you got to Kansas, Texas at 3.32 million. And say what you want about Texas and Oklahoma and all that, but there is going to be a massive drop-off when you have one, no, actually two teams who are basically a guaranteed 2 million plus every single time they lace them up, no matter where, no matter when. Um, that is going to be a big boost for the SEC, who's already dominating, as I mentioned, Georgia, Auburn, uh, LSU, Ole Miss, Alabama, Mississippi State, Florida, Kentucky, all a part of the top 10. And actually, a very interesting note in the, the tweet that I grabbed this from, Brett McMurphy uh, had a screen cap of it as well, but uh, somebody asked of, you know, where's the, uh, uh, you know, some of the, the other SEC games, why are they not at the top? Like, I think the example was South Carolina, Tennessee, which is a primetime game. Well, those are on SEC Network. And so they didn't have the, the Nielsen ratings, and that's why those wouldn't be there. Just to, mentioning that for anybody curious about, like, well, where's this? Well, it's, it's on the SEC network, so they don't exactly track that the, uh, the same way they're not Nielsen rated. So. Where was Michigan-Nebraska? Michigan-Nebraska uh, was number four overall, 4.48 million. I thought I mentioned them. The power of Nebraska football. Yeah, I mean, that's and another school. That, yeah, Michigan basically got, football, yes. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I, but they do draw. They're they always draw. pretty high up there. Yeah. yeah, so a lot of SEC there, but USC Colorado, the top game in week number five, again, 7.24 million, a little less than a million more than Georgia and Auburn. Uh, the highest-rated Big 12 game was Kansas and Texas. Uh, the next highest-ranked game behind that was Cincinnati and BYU, 1.23 million on that Friday night game uh, out in Provo. Uh, but as far as the future goes, just above that, Utah and Oregon State drew 1.28 million. So Utah and Utah alone for now coming into the Big 12 next year. But uh, those are those are just some of the offerings. Um, a lot of games. Um, that didn't crack like uh, Iowa State Oklahoma actually didn't crack a million viewers. Yeah, I saw seven hundred thousand um, or something. You no, know, we're just yeah. talking about how that was almost an automatic, but yeah. actually it wasn't in this case. So they had a little over eight hundred thousand for that one. So, anyways, uh, interesting just to kind of see the ratings unfold. But USC Colorado, Georgia Auburn, Notre Dame Duke, those were your top three, your your gold, silver, and bronze this week as far as uh, the highest rated games go. Now, Meanwhile, I, I go just ahead. want to say about the, the future Big 12, outside of the 7 million uh, average televisions a week that Dion will, yeah. will bring in with him. That'll make up out, for it, yeah. Outside of that, the hope with the rest of the league is that it's so good year after year that you'll tune in because you know they're going to be good games. Yeah, and competitive. By the way, when we had Barry Trammell on, do you know what he called the Cougars who are from Provo? Do you remember what he said about who they were? What did he say, Garrett? Uh, I'm not saying it because I have to pay, but you know, yeah. what, you hear yeah. what he said. But he's also he's my age. But he's also yes, he's, he's also old. old. Yeah. So I guess it was a thing back in the seventies. I, I love Barry, and I have no problem. I'll tell him he's old. Yeah. 
Oh, uh, you would actually enjoy this. So, uh, yeah, I, I didn't. I, you'll have to tell me, I guess, during a commercial break what he it, said. He called the the university in Provo by its former full name. Oh, okay. The way I do. Okay. Yeah. Well, I guess I'm just used to hearing it now, so yeah. it didn't make me think about it at all. Uh, but Colorado, and, and the reason I bring this up, because you'll like this, Paul, and Florida State are the only teams with multiple top ten games uh, as far as the ratings go. Florida State with two, Colorado five out of five. Um, so yeah. there's the Dion effect that – you hope. Well, and look, Florida State can take credit for the Colorado ones, too, because they gave the world Dion. Oh, uh, yeah, there you go. So there Even you though go. he doesn't claim them. He's yeah. getting the whole he, thing there. Yeah. But he, he will again one day. Yeah. It doesn't claim him as a grad or alum. Yeah. Right, alum. That's where the, the sticking point is. So, yeah, anyways, there's a, a little look at the ratings. And you hope that Dion sticks around if you're Brett Yormark and company and offsets the Oklahoma-Texas loss. But um, we'll see how that goes in the long run. Meanwhile, going on right now, the Texas Rangers are up 1-0 uh, as the postseason gets underway, um, winning game one against Tampa Bay uh, just moments ago. And, uh, man, this was a game that they pretty much well stayed uh, in control of, but the Rangers getting it done just a few moments ago. Final score 4 to nothing um, in Tampa uh, as they get the win with Jordan Montgomery picking up the W on the mound and... Uh, now we'll see where it goes from here, but a uh, pretty dominant effort by the Rangers as far as uh, this game one goes, and um, still got to do some more. But, uh, man, that feels good. That I haven't experienced that in what feels like quite a long time uh, as a Rangers fan, so pretty awesome there. Thoughts on, uh, on the Rangers getting the first win in this series? Well, uh, Montgomery was great. He was fantastic. He made a couple of defensive plays early in the game, dove for a pop-up down the line with a possible collision. They, they, they still had opportunities to add to it, but LeClerc and Chapman came in and finished the job. And Chapman in the eighth and LeClerc in the ninth, and they're on to game two. I mean, to get a shutout is absolutely huge, and especially worrying about that bullpen. And they had some missed opportunities. They probably could have scored some more insurance yep. runs. Um, so to win 4 nothing and uh, to not have a botch at the end of the game like they've become accustomed to quite too often, um, that was uh, great to see. So Rangers win game number one tomorrow at 2.08 Central Time. Game number two will get underway uh, in Tampa, the whole series in Tampa, and then game three, if necessary, on Thursday, also at 2.08 out in Tampa. So that is where we sit as far as the uh, the fight in Texas Rangers go. And, um, you know, a lot more playoff baseball to go the rest of the way. Also got uh, right now underway uh, in the bottom of the fourth, the Minnesota Twins up 3 nothing currently on the Toronto Blue Jays. So game one of the AL wild card there. Later on tonight, uh, you will have the Diamondbacks at the Brewers. That starts at just after 6 o'clock Central. NL wild card game one on ESPN2 and on main ESPN uh, just after 7 o'clock Central. The Marlins at the Phillies, the other side of the NL wild card. So Rangers in the book lead one nothing. Minnesota leading Toronto right now nearly halfway through there and then a couple of National League games later on tonight and uh, playoff baseball is here boys and it's good to have it. Congratulations to the Marlins on making the playoffs for the first time in their history without completely with with really honestly no like the the two times they won the World Series they just went out and bought and traded and, and whatever you can do to win it there's no right way but they did this without any kind of big name like huge like spending out their their minds for for all the other parts of their team that they're they're fun look Luis Arez their their second baseman is one of the best hitters in the league he's always on base he's like Ichiro where you just hit 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 um you know Jazz Chisholm injured for a lot of the year but uh, a fun player to watch Brian De La Cruz had a really good year so yeah they're they're a good team 
When did the Red Sox play? I didn't see them on the list. They, no, they came in line. <laughs> There's three teams from their division. God. Three teams from their division in the playoffs. We just haven't talked much Red Sox. Three from I don't mean the, to poke oh, the no, bear. The but didn't make no. it, yeah. yeah. Oh. At least the Yankees aren't great too, right? I mean, is there any solace in that, or is that one of those, that's like a cheap I mean, tactic still, as a fan? They still of like, finished ahead of them. Yeah. Like, so, like, yes, right. they didn't make the playoffs, but they still finished ahead of the Red Sox. Good on and you. Then, and oh, then a the, lot of teams did. And then at the end of the year, and at the end of the year, you know, the reason that they're not in this position came in and was like, yeah, I really love Boston. I miss it. And you're like, ah! <laughs> Eight teams in the uh, – Actually, might have been more in the American League were ahead of the Red Sox. Yeah, well, um, that's too bad. But, uh, you know, he's had experiences for a lifetime already as a Red Sox fan. I, as a Rangers fan, have been uh, through the torture rack and have been too close uh, to – to even try to remember anymore. I don't like to think about back to how close they were at one point in time to being World Series champions, but, hey, they're they're one step closer to that, I suppose. Long way to go, though. So you got a lot of baseball on right now and later on tonight. And I appreciate Mark Johnson, a listener of the show, who passed this along to me. I made mention last week about how we were about to hit a stretch where there's going to be like a billion days in a row with yep. a football game on TV. Well, tonight is the last night for a while. There will be no football. Uh, college football will be back tomorrow and beginning tomorrow uh, through November 22nd. There will be 50 straight days of football on TV. So not tonight, but beginning tomorrow, uh, 50 straight days where there will be uh, football on television based on what Mark Johnson Well, yeah, because Wednesday you have two games. College, obviously, We'll start to have those Wednesday games. Mm-hmm. I guess even earlier than that, perhaps even Tuesday games. Pro football is Thursday. Well, not this week, though. Yeah. No. Thursday, what? Saturday? No. Thursday, Sunday, Monday. Every day. Yeah. <laughs> Every day for the next 50 yeah. days, like I said. You're going to have Friday games. You're going to have Wednesday games. You're going to have Monday, Tuesday, all that. Uh, so, yeah, tonight the last night without that. So, if you're just a football junkie, you do have that heading your way. And not much in the way of, like, uh, big, you know, personnel notes or anything like that i was going to mention once again though former baylor wide receiver former lions and jets wide receiver denzel mims uh did sign to the pittsburgh steelers practice squad uh he had an ankle injury in lions camp but i mean that wasn't the full tell where right. you know he he would have made the team if not for that that wasn't the case but i am glad to see him getting another opportunity so i, I do think that that's absolutely great and i don't want to be like the rest of the sports media and bring up a certain uh pop star who we've had uh you know a million mentions of on almost a daily basis when it comes to discussion about the NFL. Um, But there was a pretty interesting note from Sunday Night Football, the Chiefs and the Jets. Taylor Swift was there. You've you've heard all about her and Travis Kelsey and all of that. But what was interesting to note from Sports Media Watch is there were 27 million viewers. I mean, that's just, I mean, that's insane dude but 27 million viewers and they are able to track through adobe analytics streaming viewers now nearly had 2 million viewers that were streaming watching that game second largest audience of the nfl season although at that point they didn't have the rest of the slate but pretty safe to say that's probably the most watched game right is Mm -hmm. is that game but what's notable about it and why you're probably seeing um taylor swift to death on your television screens or for your you know your pleasure she's obviously got a, a tons and tons of fans but uh, what is noticeable about that is the demographics. As uh, a part of that 27 million unusually strong growth, demos of girls 12 to 17 up 53% in viewers. Jesus. Women 18 to 24 up 24% in viewers. And women 35 plus up 34% in viewers. All that adding up to 2 million additional female viewers alone. 
that watched Sunday night football. So there you go, the power of the Swifties. So, and uh, if you if you're one of those who I've seen that are like, I'm tired of. It's not going anywhere, not, buddy. Like hey, I said, look, the, the NFL is all in on this, and you can tell by the way that it's all being uh, they, they needed a little they spark. Did, they don't. Here's the thing: they don't care that it's Taylor Swift. Like it, they're just attaching themselves to the person who's like maybe single handedly restarting the U.S. economy. I mean, and Taylor geez. Swift, for yeah. God's sakes. So look, if that's what's going to work, and they're going to ride that, you know, and look. As a as a low level Swifty myself, I'm not a low level. I'm I'm like at the bottom level. I respect the hustle, uh, but uh, just lean into it. Who cares? Oh well, they clearly are, and lean it's paid it. off with They're the, the, the worst the, at leaning into yeah. it. They don't even need to lean into it. It's already good as yeah. it is. Yeah, no, I mean it's it's just taking them where they're already a powerhouse and taking it up a, another notch. And that's why I, t- I thought it was interesting to take a look at the female viewers and the huge jumps that were there. So a lot of TV talk typically on a Tuesday during the football season. We're going to have that, and not much in the way of like massive headlines today. So I'll leave it there for yeah. now. There's a few things off the radar. And here's here's oh, this. God, stop. I think it's going to be funny if. Taylor Swift and Travis Kelsey when they break up, and she writes a hundred song songs about you. him. How many people will now hate watch the Chiefs because they're <laughs> like, "Boo, Travis! Yeah. How could you do this to poor Taylor?" Dude, I'm not going to doubt the power of of that fandom. So yeah, I mean, <laughs> yeah. I, anything's possible, and and obviously the NFL is loving what they're seeing because female viewers have skyrocketed two million plus. Um, and that's that's her star power right there. So, yeah, there's a few things off the radar. All right, we will come back with uh, a little bit into the 5 o'clock hour. Roger Wallace, UT color analyst, also television down in Austin. And then at 5.30, Hall of Fame columnist John McClain, his thoughts about, uh, boy, how about C.J. Stroud with the Texans and what he's done, plus his thoughts on the baseball postseason too. This is 365 Sports. TexasBeefHouse.com. Every week, in fact, you can go on the link. We always have it up where you can predict college football games this weekend. Thanks to Christian McCollum, he puts it up on the site, and we'll pin it to the uh, to the chat room here in a minute if you've forgotten about it. And the winner of the prediction contest, Scotty B., this past week, gets $100 gift card from TexasBeefHouse.com. What is TexasBeefHouse.com? They're located just outside of Tyler and White House, yes, the hometown of the great Patrick Mahomes, they have not just Wagyu beef, aged Wagyu beef, aged beef that is as good as it can possibly be, and they do that from start to finish, from with the breeding all the way to the uh, pos where they, of course, have the butcher shop too. Texas Beef House focuses on resources, developing the best Wagyu genetics, producing the highest quality of beef, Aged beef is not typically available to public because it's added cost in time. At Texas Beef House, they age the entire beef and not just the choices, cuts of steak, resulting in an improved texture, flavor of all of their beef. We've met the Duvall family. We've met Will Denton, who's a part of how we got together. They were at our tailgate uh, that we did before the uh, game against the University of Utah, or no, yeah, Utah, and the unbelievable, Texas, excuse me, unbelievable crowd, and everybody walked away. Man, how do I find that? TexasBeefHouse.com is where you can find it. They'll have a number if you want to contact Samantha Duvall. Tailgating beef, tailgating product, it's brisket, or it's tri-tip, or it's steaks, or it's sausage, or more, at TexasBeefHouse.com. 
TFNB Your Bank for Life is the official local bank of Baylor Athletics. Find out why more Central Texans are making TFNB their bank for life. Sign up for our Edge Checking and Savings accounts to earn interest or cash back. With five convenient locations and an award-winning mobile app, banking has never been easier. TFNB Your Bank for Life. Member FDIC. Three Nations Brewing Company has 16 different beers on draft with a new beer every Friday. It also offers two air-conditioned tap rooms, a large indoor beer hall, a second-floor mezzanine offering a great overview of the brewing company and equipment and patio where you can relax under the shade. Plus, you can now experience the new Three Nations Beer Garden Grill on our shaded patio. Grab a cold beer and enjoy a bite from our freshly prepared and delicious menu. Street tacos, quesadillas, freshly cooked burgers and dogs, and veggie burgers, too. Nachos and and so much more all prepared and cooked on site. So come visit the award-winning Three Nations Brewing Company on East Vandergrift off I-35 in Carrollton. Baylor Scott & White Southwest Sports Medicine Orthopedics, the team physicians for Baylor Athletics, diagnosing and treating all sports-related injuries, including concussions. These specialists also provide orthopedic services for athletes and non-athletes alike. Whether it's knee or shoulder pain, a wrist injury, orthopedic spine care, and even an arthritis and total joint clinic. Trust the doctors Baylor Athletics trust. Baylor Scott & White Southwest Sports Medicine Orthopedics wants to get you back in the game. Samantha Duball, Marketing Director for TexasBeefHouse.com. You know all about their great Wagyu beef and product they have. You can go to TexasBeefHouse.com for anything you want to order. But, Samantha, thanks for your time. There's an auction coming up in the month of November. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, so November 11th, we're having our first public beef auction. Um, It's going to be here at our ranch in White House, Texas. It's going to be a live auction. You can bid in person. You can bid on the phone or we'll also have it online. And we're auctioning off Wagyu and Angus beef. We'll have 30 to 40 pound bundles. They'll be full of steaks, hamburger, and primals. This is perfect for not only the restaurant owners, but also homeowners. So if somebody wants to load up your deep freezer with some great, great product from a place that is just delivering all of the time, what Wagyu from their ranch to your plate, TexasBeefHouse.com. With so many companies and policies out there, it gets so confusing shopping for insurance, and I never know if I'm getting the policy that's right for me. Luckily, I met the team at the Niche Group Insurance Agency. With the Niche Group, you can go to one company and get access to coverage options from many insurance carriers, and you get to speak to a real person about your specific coverage needs. With the Niche Group, I know I'm getting the right coverage at the right price. If you need insurance, talk to the experts at the Niche Group at 1-800-258-8302. 365 Sports is turbocharged by Unite Private Networks. Find out more at UnitePrivateNetworks.com. We have had Roger Wallace, UT Color Analyst for UT Radio, on with us a handful of times already this year, right before Alabama, right after Alabama and other games they've played. He joins us again as, of course, Texas OU coming up this weekend in Dallas. Roger, thanks for your time. We appreciate it. Uh, They are taking care of business. This team seems to be at Texas focused on the old corny stuff, like one game at a time, worry about right now. And and maybe before they they weren't that way. Do you agree? Yeah, I'll throw another one at you, David. Business-like. You can throw that cliche because they're saying, uh, you know, another championship week and 
and things like that. And it's kind of the way they, they play. They, they haven't dazzled anyone, maybe Alabama, because of the way it kind of unfolded where they finally figured out the deep ball and, and just winning there, I think, surprised a lot of people. But, yeah, they're finding a lot of different ways to do it. And the, uh, the backbone of this team uh, is that defense. And, again, 24 against Alabama. Nobody else has scored over uh, 14 points against them. Roger, they uh, they keep they keep on like in second half, especially. You maybe they don't have the first half they have, and then they just turn on the Jets when they come out. What do you think is the? Because I don't think it's halftime adjustments. Do you think it's just um, getting to know like what's coming at them a little bit better? Yeah, it's it's really uh, a strange phenomenon. The only one that didn't happen that way. Uh, was one up there in Waco against Baylor where they did it in the first half, but it still was one of those three touchdown barrages in you know less than like twelve game minutes. Uh, but yeah, they've they've done an amazing job in the second half of finding one of those uh, little avalanches of of three touchdowns, getting stops, and uh, figuring out uh, some rhythm on offense. And I don't I don't know how you point to anything other than just you know kind of executing and then you know you bust a big play like uh jonathan brooks did uh that helps when you can hit some home runs along the way and not not have to grind out 15 play drives roger i don't know that running back was ever like a uh extreme concern by any means i know they had confidence in jonathan brooks and then some of the other guys in that in that backfield and they've recruited well at that position but how important has it been to see brooks in particular just explode over these last three weeks and, and saturday being the highlight of those yeah, and I think your point uh, is is well taken because of the got spoiled with you know really two incredible years of Bijan Robinson. So you had to figure there was going to be a drop off uh, between that and then you throw in what Roshan Johnson did last year. Uh, but Bijan's got three straight 100 yard games and now a 200. I mean uh, Jonathan Brooks now a 200 yard game and C.J. Baxter seemingly is going to be healthy for back to back games. He's been a nice compliment. I think that points to the offensive line, too, guys. I mean, that's that's the group that had to improve in the last couple of years. Uh, every every team will tell you, you know, you, you build from the inside out on the two lines, and that's the group that had to improve, and it has. So that makes a lot life a lot easier for running backs. But then, you know, Brooks has maybe been a little more dynamic than, than they expected. Roger, there's been a lot of discussion because they were able to bring in an entire freshman class of offensive linemen when they had the, the NIL deal. Uh, but this current starting group, I believe three of them were before that. Is that correct, or, or are there more than three of the starting five? Yeah, well, Christian Jones, I think he was there with Mac, uh, right? Right, you know, you know six-year guy, <laughs> and, then, and and then Jake Majors uh, as well. Right now, the way it's constructed, uh, Hayden Connor was not part of that that freshman group, uh, but yeah, you have DJ Campbell and uh, and Kelvin Banks. So you're right. And Cole Hudson probably would be starting at guard, but he got nicked up. So it's been a combination of that that group uh, that you you alluded to, and then some some guy. You know, Christian Jones coming back for a sixth year was huge, uh, and and then uh, having that that veteran in the middle at Jake Majors as well. Sarkeesian made a comment, I believe it was yesterday during his press conference, and so well, someone who covers Texas for one of the websites put it up that he said. And you could tell me exactly that players are now coming to be at the 40 acres for a reason, for the right reason. What do you think he meant by that? 
Yeah, that was one there. You know, I guess you could interpret it a lot of different ways, but I, I think he thinks that they've developed uh, a culture of just, you know, one one common goal and, and all the cliches that you would use when, when things are rolling. And again, when things are rolling, everything's great. The culture's great. Uh, and then you hit a bump in the road and, and suddenly you have to look at some things. Uh, but, but I think he just thinks his staff has pointed out uh, guys that they think fit fit all that. And, you know, they go back to that uh, game two years ago against Kansas when they lost and uh, kept them out of a bowl game. And he said uh, before this year's Kansas game that maybe that told them some things in a painful way that they needed to do with this roster. Uh, but, but I don't know if it was one specific thing, David, about, uh, you know, the right reason other than, you know, that, that common goal and, and uh, uh, you know, some guys might come for NIL opportunities. Some guys might come because they've dreamt of being a Longhorn all their life and other guys might come strictly because of Stark. Uh, so maybe those are all, all the right reasons. Roger, if they had a weakness, what would you say it is right now? Well, they've been a little consistent uh, in the kicking game. Uh, you know, <laughs> Bert Auburn's been a little inconsistent. And then, uh, you know, They've had some slow starts, and eventually that can catch up. They got gashed a little bit by Kansas, and they righted it. Um, but if Kansas has Jalen Daniels and, and Texas is off to a slower start on offense, uh, who knows what's hap- what happens there. Uh, Quinn Ewers has been, been good, but still, other than Alabama, they haven't had a lot of success uh, throwing the ball over the top. They try, uh, but you know whether it's where the defense is saying, okay, you're not going to get over the top, or it's missed opportunities. So, uh, but right now, you know, you can nitpick because they are five and zero, and they have won every game uh, by double figures. But uh, you know, they'll they'll have some fourth quarter ball games, maybe on Saturday at least, or you know, with Oklahoma. So we'll we'll see what what rears itself uh, in this one. Roger, I saw a clip of Quinn Ewers that went, I guess, a semi-viral the other day. He was just talking about his faith, and you see that from, you know, various players from time to time. But, um, you know, having been, you know, around and seen him these last couple of years, is is it fair to say from the outside that he's matured a great deal? And has that, that, that been noticeable for those of you who have been, you know, following him along along the way? It just seems like there's – and I know a lot was kind of made of that too, of just, you know, growing up and maturing and all of that. But has there been a noticeably kind of different attitude uh, with Quinn Ewers this season? Yeah, I think it's it's that, and then I think it's partially him just being comfortable. And last year, uh, still, he was the equivalent age-wise of a true freshman mm-hmm. uh, playing quarterback at the University of Texas. So, and, and some guys are just either a they're they're more gifted in front of the cameras, or they're willing to open up more. I think Quinn's very guarded uh, with with all the uh, interviews and things. I think he plays it close to the vest. I think lately we've seen him you know, uh, open up a little bit more, but you know, that's, that's the way he chooses to do it. But I think he's just more comfortable, more confident. And he admits that every time you ask him about last year, his response is the same at this time last year, things were so different. Now I know more, I'm more comfortable and therefore I'm more confident. And then, you know, things are flowing a little bit better, but you know, he threw that pick at the end of the half, uh, first one in 245 passes. And then uh, came back and, and had a really good second half, obviously. Do you think because they – and listen, they've had weapons before, but they do have weapons at every position, and they're all capable of going 50. But it seems like that's now allowing him to show off a little bit more of what he can do running the football. 
Yeah, it's, uh, you know, Sark even talked about it with us on the radio is that what he's done has forced teams to play a little more zone uh, just because you, you play man, you turn your back to yours, and, and he could pop you for 29 in Waco or 30 on Saturday here or a 39, uh, and he picks up 10 yards. So I think that helps. Uh, I think that speaks to, you know, maybe he's a little faster with the, the conditioning uh, and, and the stuff he – was able to accomplish in the offseason. But you're right. Um, you got to be able to get that first down on third and seven when everything breaks down, and, and he's done that uh, quite a bit more this year. Roger, if I hypothesize that this game might be a little bit lower scoring because I think the defenses might, uh, might play a little bit better than the offenses early on, would I be wild in saying that? Well, I'll, I'll say from the Texas side, I don't, I don't, I don't think so. They, their track record's pretty good through five games of, of keeping it fairly low scoring, and and they scored forty Saturday for the first time this year. So they're not, you know, a blitzkrieg offense. Uh, haven't been that way. They've been a, a solid, uh, efficient offense, but they haven't. Now they've had some fourth quarters where uh, Malik Murphy's uh, gotten his fair share of snaps, and they bring in uh, a lot of guys, and so suddenly it turns into a kind of a different objective in the fourth quarter but no I don't think so at all I think I think you look across college football and we're seeing that a lot uh in ball games I mean look at Notre Dame uh Duke game Saturday night you can you can go up and down and and things are kind of coming back uh to that as well so no I don't think that's crazy to think that it could be a game where the winning team has under 30. Roger is there a player who is not of star caliber name or a five-star recruit is there somebody that's getting some of the dirty work done that's not getting much attention? Well, they're, they're really starting to like, and we might see him more depending on uh, Jatavian Sanders, uh, Gunnar Helm, uh, the other tight end uh, for Texas. He's, he's gotten a few more chances, and now if Sanders, we don't know uh, what his status will be uh, for the game Saturday, but he could be a guy that, that has to come up big because Sanders is so valuable uh, in that office, and, and Gunnar Helm's not going to stretch the field like Sanders but he's certainly capable of being yet uh, another weapon. And then I think about a, a guy like, like Jordan Whittington, and you know he's made for these, these tough games and his last go-around. And uh, you know, this is a guy that's done a lot of damage but hadn't, hadn't been able to get in the end zone much. He scored one touchdown last year. He hasn't uh, scored a touchdown this year. I know he's going to be uh, ready to go for one more go-around in this rivalry. Thanks, Rod. Appreciate your time. Wait, Enjoy. David, i got to ask you a question. David, question. Yep. You remember our first Texas OU game together? Putting you on the spot. I it would have been 87? 80, 86 or eighty seven. That's no, you nailed it, Johnny Walker. And then the next day we did the uh, the scab game. Yep, absolutely. We did the, <laughs> right. the, the was that the Washington? And the weather changed like by about thirty degrees from Saturday to Sunday up in Dallas. It did. Golly, I you remember just scab, that. like the NFL strike scab game. Yes. Yes. Oh, yes. It wasn't it was it Washington and Dallas? Wasn't that the Eagles game? Wasn't no, that the, yeah, uh, no, that's the Buddy right. Ryan game? Yeah, that's the Buddy Ryan game. That's exactly right. Yeah, yeah that's exactly yeah. right. Man, those were the All days, right. huh? Mm. How about that? Thank you. Grinding it out. Yep. All right. Have Good fun, you guys. Roger Wallace, KXAN Television in Austin, but also the color analyst for UT football with Craig Way on the broadcast with us on 365 Sports. Yeah, always good to talk to uh, Roger and just looking forward to this game on Saturday. Um, I think 
you know, opinion hasn't changed from a couple of hours ago. I'm leaning Texas, or not leaning. I'm I'm in the Texas corner as far as uh, what I expect this weekend. I just think they're a little bit more well rounded. But it's Red River, and you never know. Um, you know, all I I can tell you is that it should be a better game than last year, <laughs> because it would be nearly impossible to not be, given that uh, horror show from an Oklahoma perspective Jeez. with. Mm-hmm. Dylan Gabriel going down and not being able to play and then obviously not having a very capable quarterback. So even if that were to happen, Jackson Arnold's at least there. We know Texas is loaded in, in the quarterback spot too. But, yeah, last year that was a tough watch. Unless you're a Texas fan or probably like an Oklahoma State fan or something or if you just have something against the Sooners, that was the greatest game ever. Uh, but, yeah, this will be highly competitive. Be Dylan Gabriel's first crack uh, at Texas. And, um, you know, both of them are highly ranked and unbeaten. So something's got to give. And, uh, man, it's going to be awesome. I, I can't wait. There have been numerous blowouts in this series. Last year, 49 to nothing. I'll never forget. And I still can't imagine what it was like, I think, year two. Oklahoma and Bob Stoops were on their way to a national championship. Josh Heupel, their quarterback. There were a bunch of blowouts. And eventually, Mac got them in a blowout or two, I think, in, in 2005. But there have been some one-sided games in this rivalry, and yet there have been some unbelievable classics as well. Uh, Never forget about the pass interference call against Oklahoma in the end zone, pouring down rain. I think that might have been 1984 that was controversial. Uh, I'll never forget covering the game as a TV reporter when Bosworth and Oklahoma just just crushed, I think it was Todd Dodge. Uh, was it Todd Dodge? It might have been Todd Dodge as the quarterback position. Low-scoring game, but they he had no chance. And, and then, of course, uh, all back and forth along the way. I mean, yeah, up until last year, the last several uh, had been very close games, um, like you know, five or six years in a row where it was mm-hmm. a pretty tight game. But then last year, like I said, just with the quarterback injury and, and all of that, it was ugly very early on. But, yeah, Stoops, I think it was 2000, he just beat the mess out of Texas, like 63-14 to 14 or whatever it was. And that's when you're like, okay, things are different at Oklahoma now. And sure enough, they obviously would close out that season on a strong note. But, yeah, he got Mac a, Don't want to talk about it. A couple – yeah. He got Mac a couple of times um, and, you, you know – Put, put Mac on a little bit of a hot seat in so many ways, and then Mac obviously went on the run in 05 and all of that and, and yep. got his – you know, by the end of it, that was not a – Bob had the lead, but it wasn't like 15-3, to 3, you know, or it was it was a little bit more even when all was said and done. But, yeah, it's it's a fantastic series. Uh, it's a huge loss for the Big 12. No, no two ways about it. Yep. Um, and, you know, uh, this is, is going to be memorable because it is the last as far as this goes, and then next year we'll have that SEC label attached to it. So a little bit of history on Saturday one way or the other. Yeah. I, uh, I covered the game in 2009. My good friend Adam Winkler, uh, he needed some help doing it, and so I went up there and, and helped him. And it was one of the first times in my career that I had been to something, because this was a year before you and I started working together, Smokey. I, had, I get on the elevator... And um, in in the elevator comes Barry Switzer, and he's got it's eight forty five in the morning, and he's got a drink in his hand, uh, having a big old time. And then Brian no. Bosworth, like the next floor, Brian Bosworth gets on because he got off of the wrong floor, and I was like, "Holy cow, this is this is insane!" And then Barry Switzer said, "Hey, Boz, come with me. I'm going to see President Bush." He's going to see George, George, the first President Bush. Um, he's going to see him. I'm going to see him. He's, he's here at the game today. And then the whole game, the person sitting to my left was uh, Candace, and I don't remember uh, what's her like, Crawford, who is now Candace Romo. Oh, oh yeah. Okay. yeah. And 
uh, married to the deep or no yeah. sister of the deep sister right? of the deep. Yeah, yeah. She's, and so she was sitting there and talking, we were talking and then Adam came in and he goes, do you know who that is? And I said, yeah, her name's Candace. He, she works for this te- television station. She goes, no, she's probably going to marry Tony Romo. <laughs> I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> and she did. And she did. Speaking of Romo, that got brought back. I totally forgotten about the whole Jessica Simpson thing there for a little yeah. while. Cause that's what everybody's comparing Kelsey and, and Swift to now at this point. But yeah, I'd forgot. I had blacked that out, I think from my memory and, and that just, Reemerged over the last couple of days with all that other talk. But yeah. does anybody else, when Tony Romo comes on the screen, just go, "Oh, Jim, 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 Jim"? <laughs> you know what? I'm going to tell you this. I don't really listen as much to the games now. I have them on. They're, I'm watching them. Cowboys. I'm going to try to watch as much as I can. And and obviously, I thought Philadelphia Washington on the on Sunday was a great game that came down to the wire. But I don't listen to a lot of the broadcasters. I really don't. I, I just rather would have the game on. Uh- and and Aromo jumped onto the scene, was brilliant, and then of course started to take a lot of criticism because maybe he got you know he just tried to change or I don't know his stick got old, but he's good. I mean, I love, I just love the. the uh, I think people marveled at first about his ability to predict, and then it became kind of annoying. It's like yeah. shut up and quit spoiling what's about to happen. Or, you know, I think that was part of it. Yeah. And it was a little, we got a little Tony overkill there for a little stretch where he got the big broadcasting you know attention and all of that. But yeah, I just I, I hadn't thought about the. Uh, I hadn't thought about well, the whole Jessica Simpson thing in 20 years. That was- so last year, the, the thing that's funny about Romo is that he, he kind of came under fire because people thought he maybe wasn't studying as much. Mm-hmm. And I think it's because he's now been out of the league for a chunk of time. Sure. And so before he didn't have to study because he'd already seen all these teams and offenses and things, and it's been a cycle through of coaching and systems where he wasn't. But I've watched two of the games he's done this year beginning to end, and he's back on it now. Like good. he's well, he's really back on. I think I think he's done a good job. And of course, when you're sitting next to Jim Nance, there's a burden to do a good job because mm-hmm. Jim is one of the best that there ever will be. He is so good that you don't want to bring that down. I no. think. Yeah, he he was good. All right, but the Texas OU rivalry is 63 wins for Texas, third of uh, 50. Excuse me, 50 for uh, Oklahoma, five ties, including that one I mentioned about the uh, pass interference call uh, in the end zone. Uh, in that rainy day. But it, since 2000, when Oklahoma uh, torched Texas, and they did over the next three or four years, I think one game was the 12-0 Roy Williams and the Batman or Superman play. Uh, Superman. Yeah, uh, that was a 12-0 win. Oklahoma's won 16 of the last 24. Texas, of course, the largest margin of victory was last year. The largest margin of victory for Oklahoma was in 2003 when they won 65-13. to uh, And so... It's still Texas, who they pretty much anybody they've played for more than 30 or 40 years back in the day, they have a pretty hefty lead on even the rivals. But 16-8 and eight, Oklahoma in the last 24 years since 2000 when they won the national title. I mean, that was a 20-plus game deficit that's now down to 13. It is. And it could be yeah. 12 uh, or could be 14. But they've closed the gap a little bit with this run over the last 23, 4 years. 24 and years, yeah. Bob Stoops, uh, circling back to that, he won, I think it was the first five against Texas and then ended up against Mac Brown at least 9-5. and five. So like I was saying, you know, Mac kind of closed the gap there. Um, and in Texas would eventually respond. But, yeah, Stoops got off to an incredible start and some major blowouts, and then Mac was able to kind of close that gap. But, um, yeah, it's it's an incredible series. It's one of the best in American sports, and uh, it's going to be full of pageantry, I would imagine, just knowing all of the stakes in general. But also it's the last year of, you know, it being like just like this, and it will feel different with the SEC banners uh, next year. So, uh, going to be a very interesting game on Saturday. It'll be, dun- it'll be interesting to see what the feel is. It'll still be incredible, the atmosphere, the way that the stadium is truly split 
with burnt orange and crimson. Uh, it, it will be unbelievable. It's, it's fun. I one time just sat in the end zone not far from Bevo and just watched the pageantry of that game. When we come back, John McClain, Hall of Fame columnist, his thoughts about the Texans. And, man, did they strike it rich, it looks like, with C.J. Stroud. And he also has a little chip on his shoulder and not afraid to say it. And this is 365 Sports. Marco's Pizza, pizza lovers get it. Bob Mock has five locations in Waco, used to be none, fastest growing pizza brand in America, and he's one of the reasons why, because Waco again now has five locations, Bellmead, China Spring, Hewitt Woodway, and also in Robinson. I saw him at a Baylor game, usually do when they're playing at home, and this year, of course, they have eight home games. Always have a chance to kind of visit with him. He loves to talk college sports, and he's fun with it, and and also uh, very honest about what he sees, whether it's a college game that he watched on television or one with Baylor, whoever they may have played. But the one thing he does, he understands the pizza business, has been in the business for many years before he bought the Marcos locations in Waco or opened them up in Waco. Marcos Pizza, you can go online, order, you can pick up, they can deliver as well. They have different discount codes if you want to use them. Marcos Pizza, pizza lovers, get it? Marcos.com. Pizza, burgers, and Bears football. There's no place around Waco that serves them all other than Bubba's 33. Come show your green and gold and enjoy some of Waco's best food and beverages while watching your favorite team, the Bears. When real Bears fans get hungry, Bubba's 33 is the number one spot for ice-cold drinks, hand-stretched, stone-baked pizzas, and bacon-infused burgers. Join us for indoor or patio dining. Bubba's 33, Waco's restaurant and proud supporter of Baylor Bears football. Sick'em, Bears. TFNB Your Bank for Life is the official local bank of Baylor Athletics. Find out why more Central Texas are making TFNB their bank for life. Sign up for our Edge Checking and Savings accounts to earn interest or cash back with five convenient locations and an award-winning mobile app. Banking has never been easier. TFNB Your Bank for Life. Member FDIC. In our logo and advertising, we say we are people that you can count on. What does that mean? It starts with providing a quality vehicle and quality service at a fair price. But it also means we do what we say we will do and we treat people fairly with respect. It starts by hiring great people, good local folks who work hard with a caring attitude. Our employees are the real reason we are people that you can count on. Put us to the test and see for yourself that at Richard Car Motors we are people you can count on. Custom Marketplace is your hometown grocery store with a full-service butcher shop and baker. Hi, this is David Smoke. The butcher shop can take your customized orders for seafood, pork, and poultry and custom cut your favorite steaks from bacon-wrapped fillets to T-bone to bone-in ribeyes. Cut specifically the way you want. They have Norwegian salmon fillets, catfish fillets, sliced ham or turkey and lunch meat, variety of cheese available, and several options of sausage links. Fresh chicken breast or whole chickens, sliced bacon, pork chops, ground beef, marinated beef and chicken fajitas and always large briskets available plus fresh vegetables so the great product customer service and family tradition of the bauer family continues at waco custom marketplace open monday through saturday a full service butcher shop and bakery available waco custom marketplace 425 lake air drive in waco or waco custom marketplace.com
Welcome back to 365 Sports. It's time for our weekly segment with NFL Hall of Fame columnist John McClain. Brought to you by Pioneer Steel and Pipe, where customer service is their main focus and best in metal, steel, and pipe for large or small projects. With two locations in Waco and Bryan. Family owned and operated since 1943. Read John's work at sportsradio610.com. John McClain, the Hall of Famer, joins us, and we will get to baseball and the Astros and the Rangers. Rangers winning today, as Craig mentioned earlier, 4 to nothing in Tampa, uh, in actually St. Petersburg. John, thank you for your time. Have the uh, Texans found gold in C.J. Stroud? They have. He's been outstanding. I just tweeted that C.J. Stroud, his 22nd birthday today, um, is joins this group of quarterbacks who've thrown for at least 1,200 yards without an interception in the first four games of the season. Aaron Rodgers, Patrick Mahomes, Drew Brees, Tom Brady, and Peyton Manning. It's a pretty good group. Oh. And he's second in the history to Cam Newton for yards over the first four games. And he's the first guy in the history to have um, at least, let's see, 250 yards, two touchdowns, without an interception in his first four games. So he's been fantastic. Texans have won their last two by 20 at Jacksonville, 24 over the Steelers, a blowout. And people here are just flabbergasted. When do you think they'll get some relief on the offensive line? It's interesting because um, they were, in these last two games, they played their third left tackle, third left guard, the third left guard tore up ligament and they had to replace him with a guy who came off the practice squad, a backup center, third center, third right tackle. So the backups who were starting are hurt. But that line did not give up a sack in the last two games. T.J. Watt, T.J. Watt went into the game with six sacks. Steelers had 13. They had none. Watt had one hit on Stroud and two tackles. So the, those backups did a hell of a job. Now they get their two tackles back. They get their center back. So they ought to be in better shape. But it's hard to improve on what they've done these last two games. One thing that should help them is they should be able to run the ball better. John, uh, Jalen Petrie come back. Everything okay as far as him and his return and, and, and how he's looked so far? He had a great game. He had a, he had a blitz that screwed up quarterback Kenny Pickett. He had another big play in the backfield. One of the things I'm going to talk to him about tomorrow, in the first quarter, cornerback Steven Nelson made a leaping interception on a deep ball about down the middle. And he got up and he started running and Petrie was kind of to his left and signaling him, follow me. And so he kind of did. So Petrie turns and runs down the field and sees number 14 from Pittsburgh and, I mean, he hit the guy, he knocked him down, and then he jumped on top of him. He was rude and crude to that defense back, and he went to Baylor. I'm going to tell him, I can't believe you do those kind of things coming from Baylor. But you loved it with the Texans, right? Oh, my goodness. He was he was outstanding. They loved Petrie just like every Baylor fan knew that they would. You know, he missed two games with a – a bruised lung, and now he's fine. And that defense is playing way above what we thought it was capable of playing with the Nico Ryans making the calls. 
John, the Cowboys have had three wins this season in four games, which have all been ridiculous blowouts because their defense and special teams have made huge plays. Their offense is fine. I mean, that's the best thing you can say about it right now. Uh, they're not great in the red zone. So are they really a, a, a team that can contend long-term, or is it a little bit of a smoke and mirrors these first four? Well, first of all, people can just forget about the Arizona game. That was a game in which they just didn't take them seriously. Now, we're all pretty sure they're not going to blow out uh, the game coming up. And uh, one of the things, though, Dak Prescott, the wide receivers, tight end and running game, they're going to have to be better. They're going to have to be more consistent because 49ers got a good defense. They've got balance. That defense is going to go up against the most balanced offense in the league along with Philadelphia that runs the ball a lot. Christian McCaffrey has been magnificent. Brock Purdy had one incompletion in the game Sunday. So they have a streak going back to last season, which they scored 30 or more. I'll be surprised they do it against the Cowboys. You know, you hope if you're a Cowboys fan that that pass rush can make Purdy's life miserable. What the Cowboys need to do that other teams have not been able to do is get a big lead and force Purdy to beat you. So far, he's had the benefit of a big play running game, and he's got big play tight end, big play wide receiver. Nobody has the offensive balance that the 49ers have. John, what do you make of the Chicago Bears' current struggles and, and that Denver loss just adding to them this past weekend? Uh, I did see if there's a bright spot as it currently stands, they'd have the top two picks in next year's draft, and so that seems like it's a, it's a great thing to hang your hat on, but just what have you made of that whole situation out there in, in Chicago? Let me point out, there's a reason the Bears have never had a great passing quarterback, ever. The Soldier Field is on Lake Michigan. The wind blows constantly. And that's in August, September, and October before the weather gets miserable. Just like Cleveland, it's on Lake Erie. Cleveland has not had a 4,000-yard passer since 1980 in Brian sight. They build around the running game, physicality. They build on defense, special teams, the trenches. And if I'm Caleb Williams, I don't care if I'm going to get $22 million to sign. I'm thinking long term. I'm saying, okay, how many more Burger King commercials national can you give me? And see if they can get it up a little bit and then hope like heck some other quarterback goes to the Bears and if the Bears are off of next year, then uh, he'll go somewhere else. People were saying they'd do that if it was Arizona. Phoenix looks a whole lot better a place to live and play in Chicago in the winter. And uh, so I'll be real surprised if that happens. Now, Justin Fields for three quarters had a perfect rating. He had four touchdowns. He had one incompletion, I think. He was tremendous. And then the play calling was bad. The coach made a terrible decision to go for a first down instead of kick a field goal. There was a lot of coaches making a lot of bad decisions during games. And it's amazing. They've kind of gone analytical crazy. And the one thing, when they, they gets me, when the, okay, analytics say, let's go for fourth and one on our 24 because we have a 68% better chance to win. Well, analytics don't, don't take into account who you're playing against, whether you're playing against a great defense or a bad defense or who's hurt and who's not. You can't just go 
by analytics. It should be a tool, and that's it. Somebody needs to tell that to Chargers coach Brandon Staley, who's the worst there is about going for it at the wrong time. John, uh, are the Bears going to build a new stadium, though? Didn't their owners buy, like, a site? Yeah, they bought a site in the suburbs. They're going to build a stadium there. The uh, mayor is fighting it. They want them downtown. They say they'll build it. And it's like if Cleveland had built its its new stadium on Lake Erie next to the old one, which was called Mistake Mother Lake, if they built it in the suburbs, the weather, the wind wouldn't be nearly as bad. And I don't know if the Bears are thinking about that because they can, they want control of the stadium where they have final say on who comes in there. They get the benefit. Suburbs will give owners anything if they want it. So they're going to get a new stadium one way or another. And I think they're headed to the suburbs instead of Soldier Field, and that would be too bad. John, the Astros are in. They win the West on the tiebreaker. Rangers won earlier today against Tampa Bay. Um, there's a little, like, this is some bad blood if the Rangers and Astros meet, which I don't think they will because the Rangers have to go through first Tampa, no matter the one-game victory, and then Baltimore. Your thoughts about this is kind of a little bit of uh, back and forth between some media and the Rangers organization, vice versa. Well, Chris Young, general manager, made a fool out of himself, I thought. Now, of course, people in the Metroplex don't think that. Going after a reporter, Brian McTaggart, for an innocuous tweet he put out about the Rangers celebrated with a champagne celebration, which they did. We all saw the pictures. While the Astros toasted champagne, wore their T-shirts, and said, we got bigger fish to fry, which is winning the division. And they won 8-1 to on Sunday, and the Rangers lost 1-0, and Young just went crazy, acted like these, he was he was chastising Brian McTaggart, who's the least controversial reporter I've ever seen, talking about Houston journalists, talking about everybody hates him. It's great for the rivalry. Now there will be people who call him a genius, saying he took the pressure off his team and put it on himself. And so the Rangers did a great job today. And I would hope Chris Young would thank Brian McTaggart for helping him win since they animated that he helped them lose. But it's a great accomplishment by the Rangers. I want them to win. I want the Astros to win. I want them to play for the World Series. This rivalry has become unbelievable. Was it McTaggart's tweet or was it the infographic that they put out that said that the team put out that said we celebrate championships in Houston? No, he was mad at Brian McTaggart, called him, said journalists, gave classless, all these things for telling the truth. They did have a champagne celebration. All right, John, let's end on an on a historic I note and a I much turned it note. off. I turned it off. <laughs> I was so disgusted and I started running errands and I'm on a, a tweet thread with a bunch of my friends who are Baylor uh, Baylor grads and like me and everybody else, they were just disgusted with the thirty five seven score. And I wasn't paying any attention. I get in the car, I look at my phone, and I see that it's 35 to 33. And I'm like, holy bleak. <laughs> so I ran it to the closest place, which was a Mexican restaurant. I ran in the bar, <laughs> and I made them change the channel just so I could see the winning field goal. And then I held my breath because I'm thinking, okay, on Sports Center tonight, 
they're going to say boomer, boom, a 59-yard game-winning field goal. Yeah. Thank God he didn't. And congratulations to those fighting Baylor Bears. What do you think about that throw from the end zone about 30 yards behind the line? Of Never scrimmage? seen anything <laughs> like it. Never. It was Never. unbelievable. Uh, it, if that, that was, was an act of God. Yeah, if that was a Heisman Trophy candidate, that would have been his Heisman moment. But, man, did they need a win. I don't know what that happens again, what happens against Tech Saturday night, but it, it, uh, everything tasted better, tasted better. Uh, uh, probably drinks were better. The smelling uh, atmosphere was better. But what a game. What a huge game. I've said on all my shows, Baylor Mills the best comeback in franchise history. The Astros, Astros come back from the dead to win the division by winning five or six at Seattle and then Arizona and the Texans beat the L as Steelers first time since they beat them since 2011. And J.J. Watt got honored here. It was a great weekend if you were a sports fan in Houston. You'd think somebody who covered the Oilers and the Bills in that crazy game would never, uh, was it the Titans, would never have. Uh, no, it was the Oilers, yeah, Oilers and Bills. Oilers and there. Bills would never have turned off a, a team down by 28 like you did. Well, if I didn't, if I, if I, if my heart had not belonged to Baylor since 1960, mm. I wouldn't have done it. And plus, I was in the press box and I couldn't get away on the other one, or I would have walked out of the Buffalo. <laughs> I would have turned off the Buffalo Oilers game because the Oilers were going to run away with it. Thank you, John. Second Bears. John McClain, Hall of Fame columnist, Tuesdays, most every Tuesday at 5.30. Yeah, good stuff there. Um, yeah, the Rangers, Astros, that little kerfuffle or whatever you want to call yeah. it uh, was kind of just stupid. Um, you know, I, I didn't get deep into the, the depths of what all was said and, and the reactions to it or, or whatnot, though. I do know that there were definitely some Astros reporters that were cheerleading, um, and I don't know no, if McTaggart were. was or, or not, but, I mean, I think that that's probably – part of what he was responding to. Um, but uh, anyways, there was a, a letter just sent out by Pat Chun uh, that I wanted to pass along, and it's addressed to the NCAA Division One Council, and we were talking earlier about the stuff with Washington State and, and basically just clearing the air on that stuff with uh, Washington State and Oregon State. This isn't any enlightening or breaking news, uh, but it is interesting. Addressed to the NCAA Division Council, um, it basically says, most of you in this room know and understand what's happened in conference realignment over the last century, decade, years, and especially the last few months. Many in this room have reached out personally, and he basically says thank you for all of that, but goes on to say that they sit in a unique position. He goes on to kind of trumpet up their top 25 teams and things like that, uh, but says, so while the industry ebbs and flows through the tumult of rearranging values and priorities, Washington State is left to create a patchwork solution to ensure our student-athletes maintain access to NCAA championships. As this process unfolds, we ask for compassion, understanding, and flexibility in navigating the NCAA governance structure and potential legislative waivers. We appreciate the spirit of teamwork and camaraderie that is underscored throughout college athletics. So I just wanted to pass that along because they're clearly in a tough spot, and I think he's trying to get some understanding from, obviously, the Division I Council because if they are two, like we were talking about earlier, it's like there's no automatic. Pac-12 spot in the playoff, and if you're a two-team conference or whatever you're going to be, which they're still working out, there are going to have to be some like concessions made yep. to keep them at a certain level, and so that's basically what it sounds like he's asking for, is just a little bit of compassion, basically, for their situation, which I think we all feel uh, for Washington we, State and Oregon State. We would State. love for them to survive yeah. and stay P5. Whatever happens yeah. with that, whatever conference it is, we, we put the, to rest the story about those two being involved in anything future with the Big 12 or imminently, that's not going to happen. And that's from the Big 12 administrator. 
But I, I want Washington State and Oregon State to have a chance. I do. It, it's such a unique situation, the way everything around them just fell apart. But, yeah, as Ross Dellinger pointed out, um, they do have that two-year grace period, right, because you can be a bl- a below the threshold for a two-year grace period. Um, but, as he mentions, the schools would need waivers to compete in a lot of the championship events. So I mm-hmm. think this is kind of preceding that and going ahead and trying to clear the air it, there on, on how that, that would work. If that does happen. I, I, right. I think that's the like the B scenario. Is the stay in as two? Is the stay in as two. Okay. Like, that's the one if whatever they're going to negotiate with the Mountain West doesn't work out. But right. I do think that – the Mountain West, like, or the two thing happens because whatever they're negotiating with the Mountain West and naming themselves the pack has to wait, like, you know, whatever legal wrangling they have to do, contract, you know, uh, renegotiating and rewording and all those things. I'm still curious of how they're going to get a schedule put together in time for next year. Well, that's why I think yeah, they're pretty much going to have to do the Mountain West thing because then you have other teams you will automatically play because other than the non-conference contracts that they have already and some of those are not going to be you know some of those are the guarantee games that they're playing anyway so those those teams aren't going to back out of that you know but outside of one or two games on your schedule i mean who do you got you know so can can they remain pac 12 too and go independent for one year or two or they lose their power five they wouldn't be independent if they're the pack two yeah that's true um they'd be Two teams, so no. Um, but I, as far as putting it together a schedule, I mean, who has enough holes to fill out a 12-game schedule next year? I mean, no. are there 12 teams for two teams to find? Okay, you, you know, need 11 Baylor for had each to find one. Long Island and Albany. Right, yeah. so, I mean, okay, you get one game against each other, and then you need 11 more games on both sides of that, which a year out, less than a year out, seems like it would be right. pretty hard to do. They have right. San Diego State, San Jose State, and Portland okay, State so right are, now. Okay, never mind. So you they have, have three conference non-conference, games, yeah. yeah. So, so you're going to find eight. nine games. Yeah. No, you eight. play each other. They play oh, eight. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. They need so, eight games to fill the eight non-Pac-12 games that disappear. Yeah, so Pat Shun just uh, sending that to the NCAA Division One Council and uh, just, yeah, basically, mm. yeah, asking for some compassion as they try to wade through some of this stuff. So I thought I'd pass that along. But as, well, as Ross points out, they're going to need a waiver for some of those championships. But then again, look, then they might need nine or ten because if they join the – if they join the Mountain West, two of their games are against Mountain West teams. Yeah, that's true. So then you're going to have to. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Oregon State in 2024 has Idaho State, Boise State, which is Mountain West, and Purdue. So they have uh, those three games scheduled. So they would have to replace, I would think, then the uh, the Boise State game. I like what he did. I understand why he did it. But I also sometimes wonder when somebody's in the position, would they have felt the same compassion if somebody else had written them a letter? I mean, who's to know? Who's to say? Uh, you know, we understand the PAC's feelings towards the Big 12 when they had opportunities. It was a, you know, their noses were too high in the air to see the future clear enough to, to make better decisions, and that's fine. Um, but I don't know that that's Pat Chun's fault or Washington State's fault necessarily. Uh, and we'll get more clarity on um, the legal stuff in the next couple of months as that irons itself out and works its way through the, the proper channel. So um, we'll by the end of football season, I would think that we'd probably have a good idea of where all of that in limbo kind of who controls what and what does that mean and mm-hmm. how does that work. And, and that would obviously lead to whatever they end up doing in, in the future. Here's a great question from Justin R. If Army joins the AAC next year, when the Pac-2 could grab some of the games that Army would need to cancel? Yeah. That's a great question. I don't know. In 2024, they have Ball State, UConn. They're going to need non-conference. Syracuse, Dartmouth. Rice, UNLV, Air Force. Obviously, Navy and Wake Forest and UMass. So there are some games that they may have to give up 
in 2024? That's a great point, though. I, I don't know the answer to that, Justin. Thanks for the question. This, Paul's Top 5 is next, is 365 Sports. Don Chimador and Coffee Beans in the Tomwell Shopping Center off Valley Mills and Richland Drive in Waco, a place where you can find the best in cigars, and I mean the best. Padron and Cohiba, Ashton, Rocky Patel, which is my favorite brand, Artua Fuente, Romeo and Julieta. It, you just go on and on. They have them. 48-foot walk-in humidor loaded up with boxes and boxes and boxes of cigars. And even the ones that are open for you to look at, there's on top of the shelf, there are more boxes for them to replace the ones that are sold. On top of that, they have all of the accessories you need if you smoke cigars or are going to buy something for somebody who does. From the humidor, they have Pelican cases that are the hard plastic cases that might carry 5, 6, 10, 20 cigars if you ever go traveling and you want to protect them and make sure you keep them as far as the humidity and moisture that they need. Also, they have the cutters. Uh, they have the torch lighters. They have the punch where you can punch it into the cigar so you don't get it all ratted up. And CBD products, including Vita Dreams, to help you go to sleep at night if you toss and turn too much. And even THC for those. In fact, the package is called for bad days for someone, for some people who have chronic pain, like it hurts all of the time. Don Chimador and Coffee Beans, Carol, Ashley, and Cheyenne, Valley Mills and Waco between Richland Drive and also. Valley Mills in the uh, Townwest Shopping Center just off of both those streets. Established in 2007 and independently owned, Alliance Bank Central Texas is committed to helping families and businesses meet their financial goals. From their tellers to their board of directors, they know the importance of superior service and competitive products. Customers have confidence knowing that their financial needs are in good hands. It's your bank, Alliance Bank Central Texas, with two Waco locations, 4721 Bosque Boulevard and 191 Archway Drive on Highway 84 and at AllianceBankTexas.com. Member FDI an equal housing lender. In Texas, there's pea-sized hail and baseball-sized hail. Guess which one hit our house? We didn't even know where to begin, but we called our Texas Farm Bureau insurance agent, and he was so reassuring. He knew exactly what to do to get our house back into shape and our lives back to normal. Now, we're even more thankful for the roof over our heads. Stop by and see our agents at one of our three McLennan County locations. Coverage and discounts are subject to qualifications and policy terms and may vary by situation. Three Nations Brewing Company has 16 different beers on draft with a new beer every Friday. It also offers two air-conditioned tap rooms, a large indoor beer hall, a second-floor mezzanine offering a great overview of the brewing company and equipment and patio where you can relax under the shade. Plus, you can now experience the new Three Nations Beer Garden Grill on our shaded patio. Grab a cold beer and enjoy a bite from our freshly prepared and delicious menu. Street tacos, quesadillas, freshly cooked burgers and dogs, and veggie burgers too. Nachos and and so much more all prepared and cooked on site. So come visit the award-winning Three Nations Brewing Company on East Vandergrift off I-35 in Carrollton. I hate my job, but I don't mind getting up in the morning. I dread each day, but I can't wait to get out of bed. You ask me why, and what I'll say to you is true. Well, you can get breakfast tacos at Rudy's Barbecue. Scrambled eggs and brisket, they ain't fooling around. Salsa draft sun, they're the best in town. Barbecue for breakfast, yes, it's true. Put a smile on your morning at Rudy's Barbecue. 
time for Paul Catalina's Top 5. Brought to you by Texas Beef House. Where's the best beef in Texas? Your house when you order from Texas Beef House. Unleash the flavor of Texas raised Wagyu. From our pasture to your plate, TexasBeefHouse.com. Top five SEC observations. And before we get to that, let's talk about our good friends at Unite Private Networks. Go to UnitePrivateNetworks.com. Our internet is absolutely fantastic. Uh, even has a UBC backup. So uh, when we had a power outage uh, last week, the internet stayed connected. That was uh, an unbelievable thing that happened to us. We had that backup there. Now, we probably need to get that for everything in this room. Uh, but we had a power outage, what, a week or two ago that lasted maybe six seconds, like a little brownout, and we came right back on and we're connected to our stream because uh, of Unite Private Networks. They're unbelievable. Check out UnitePrivateNetworks.com. So here's top five SEC observations. Number five, Kentucky's a team to watch, in my opinion. I don't know what's going to happen this week against Georgia. Um, it probably doesn't bode well for Kentucky that – a, they're playing this game in Athens, and B, Georgia got a, a scare put into them last week by a very, call I'll call them mediocre at best Auburn team right now, as Hugh Freeze tries to rebuild that program. But they make big plays. They make really big plays. Uh, Ray Davis, the running back, really, really uh, a fun player to watch. Uh, Devin Leary at quarterback hasn't been quite as good as I thought he would be in Liam Cohen's offense yet, but I do think he's he's a really solid player. Maybe just a, a little bit of a, you know, if, if Will Levis is an A-minus quarterback, then I think that you've got Devin Leary at a B-plus uh, who could, could even be better. So I think they're a team to watch. They're going to be interesting down the stretch. Uh, and, you know, maybe they could be the team that finally ends George's winning streak, but I do think there's someone to watch. Mark Stoops does a good job. 14.5-point favored, so I just looked at some picks. Yeah. So that's a pretty good spread for a team in Georgia that is kind of just, you know, they just kind of maybe they're bored. I don't know. I think they're they're somewhat bored. Yeah, um, I think the the hard part for Kentucky is how are they going to run the football as effectively with Ray Davis as they as, you know like last week's example. Uh, that's not likely against the Georgia defense. No. So you're going to need you know Devin Leary to to have a much bigger game and whatnot. But uh, yeah, that's that's a team that's that's. Been good for, you know, going on a while now. I mean, this has been, you know, pretty consistent. Uh, but the 5-0 and start, that's obviously pretty special. Mm-hmm. You know, can they finish it out strong enough? But, I mean, they've won, you know, 10 games a couple of times in the past decade. They've been to multiple bowl games. Mark Stoops has done a really good job there. And they're not a team that you can just say is a pushover any given week. I mean, that's a team that you have to, you know, be, aw- be alert and be aware. And they can knock you off. But, yeah, I mean, it's Georgia. So, uh, I'm, I'm just – I don't know how they're going to – be able to because Ray Davis isn't rushing for 200 plus yards most likely if he does though man alive I will be first thing Monday show talking about how wrong I was because that would be something else to behold but yeah, yeah it's going to be tough number four will the SEC West winner have two losses I keep thinking about this because I just don't like Alabama now Seems like if they can, again, because they have Nick Saban, that they might be able to coach around these problems. I don't see A&M going through this thing unscathed. I just don't, uh, especially with the backup quarterback. Max Johnson is a good backup quarterback to have, but he's still the backup quarterback. Uh, LSU is a team that defensively, Garrett's shaking his head. They're an absolute mess. But at any given moment, they can haul off and score 45 on you. So sometimes that defense won't matter uh, as much. If A&M wins at home against Alabama, and I know they have the rest of their schedule, but doesn't that put them in the driver's seat? It absolutely does. But, again, 
this could be the SEC West doing a little Big 12 where they cannibalize each other a little uh, bit. That's true. You know, so that's what I'm wondering if that's where it is. Because, look, Ole Miss has shown that it has problems. And really, you know, you take Mississippi State and Auburn kind of out of this discussion, but it's really a four-team race right now with LSU, Bama, uh, A&M, and Ole Miss, and Ole Miss just having beaten LSU. So, yeah, there's there's a good shot. And I say when I say two losses, I mean two losses in conference sure. because all these teams all have at least one loss at a conference. So what, what is A&M's crossover game? Is it uh, South Carolina? South still. Carolina, okay. For the last time that one, let's make let the SEC, let's make this a rivalry. Is Alabama's Tennessee? Yes, I believe so. Okay, all right. So, yeah, because that would be the, the flip back of the, of last, you know, yep. of last year. So, you know, and look, Tennessee's not really, you know, anything to be, you know, shaking in your boots about right now either. So, yeah, they're, they're, they're okay. You know, so, I mean, I think there's a good shot that this, this comes out where the SEC West winner is, is maybe 9-3 and three or 10-2 overall. And they're all 6-2, and 2-3 two, two at 6-2 and two in the conference. Yeah. Well, I believe that happened last year with LSU, did it not? 6-2 and two in the conference? Yeah. I believe yeah. it did, yeah. but it hadn't happened um, – as far as the West goes, in a really long time that I can best tell, maybe it was back in 07 LSU had two losses. The East, it's happened a couple of times. But, uh, yeah, last year's LSU team was 6-2. and two, oh. um, But it has not happened uh, very frequently. And this year does set up to be one of those where, yeah, it could very well work out that way um, where they all just beat up on each other, absolutely. Because Alabama never lost. Or if they did, they lost maybe once. Uh, let's and see. So there you go. Seven and one, ten and zero. Oh, uh, LSU was eight and zero. Oh, Bama eight and zero. Oh, Auburn seven and one. I mean, I could go on and on and on. Yeah. But the, the last time the Western champion had two losses, as best oh, I could seven. tell, was that 07 LSU team uh, that beat Tennessee, who also was a two loss uh, division uh, team out of the East. So yeah, it's been a while. Number three, Bama might have fixed themselves. They might. They might have. Like I, the way I've watched in the last couple of weeks, they might have fixed themselves enough to where they can coach around all this because the defense is playing out of its mind right now. So if that continues, and we'll see, because they're they're playing an A and M offense that's pretty solid and has some serious, seriously good weapons on the outside, then then maybe number two doesn't happen, and Bama just rolls on and gets over their little you know, early season freak out and, and rolls too. I don't think that's the case because I think Jalen Milrow will have to throw more effectively to help them win some of these games, particularly LSU. Like, I, I, I know that they'll be able to run the ball against LSU, but I do think that they're going to have to probably throw it more effectively against LSU when they play them. So, but still, if you look at what's going on in Alabama, I think before we had kicked dirt on Nick Saban, just let him figure it out because he can figure it out pretty quickly. Well, I mean, they're still the most talented team arguably in the country no matter yeah. what their record was mm-hmm. and no matter how young or inexperienced anybody may be, especially a quarterback. Uh, so it's easier said than than done, of course, but it's also easier for them to do than just about anybody. And uh, I just think they're playing really good defense and they're going to have a strong defense. And then, you know, just hope that Milrow is able to guide them and make some plays here and there. But, um, yeah, I, I think that uh, they've they've kind of – realize their identity and what it's going to look like winning moving forward. And I think that that's what, yeah, is, is maybe how they've fixed themselves, just realizing who they are and what they're capable of doing and what they aren't and what they're not 
you know, probably best at doing. And so, yeah, they're going to play defense and, you know, it's Hope Mill Road takes care of the football and, and makes some plays here and there. And, um, yeah, it's still Alabama at the end of the day. So for as much as people wanted to read last rights, because that's been a, a want for a lot of people for like 15 years now at this point, uh, I'm not counting out Saban until it's all said and done just because they lost to Texas. I mean, come on now. They, yeah. they lost the turnover battle 2 nothing when Mill Road threw two deadly picks against uh, the Horns. They won the turnover battle 2-1 to one against Ole Miss. I think it was 1-1 with whoever it was after that. They won. They picked off three passes against Mississippi State. They're yeah. starting to have their disruptive okay. plays. Yeah, absolutely. And here's the other thing. Nick Saban had the backbone and the confidence to play two terrible quarterbacks against USF and win that game <laughs> so that he could send a message to the guy who's the most talented of the bunch. Yeah. And it worked. Well, I mean, so far, it's worked. Yeah, no, he, it may have gotten him refocused and also stopped being selfish. Yeah, I mean, that that is, you know, there you go, Nick Saban. Number two, LSU's defense needs help. I will let Garrett comment on this, on what he thinks needs to happen. Uh, I'm of the belief that, well, Pete Jenkins coming out of retirement isn't going to help much. Um, He's done that five or six yeah, times. Yeah, he, he, it's been a while. I'm of the belief that uh, Matt Rule and Baylor set LSU back firmly when Matt Rule went and took the Panthers job and then Baylor took Aranda and dismantled our whole coaching staff. And this is where you're at. Uh, so I've been taken aback by all the Baylor fans who have complained about Dave Aranda and the lack of defense excellent defensive excellence because it's complete blasphemy and ignorant, in my opinion. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, I would, I would gladly like to have Dave Aranda back on the bayou, but that's not going to happen. So this is where we're at. Mm. There you yeah. go. I mean, Baylor's defense has had some warts. We know that, but Baylor, but I get what you're saying. We know. We know. Hey, what the hell's happened to the guy? The the, the Harold Perkins? Yes. I don't know. They're, I don't know. They're playing with the wrong position. Exactly. I know that they did that earlier. Are they still doing that? Yes, it's okay. annoying. By uh-huh. the way, just a trivia question. Remember when Joe Brady was like the hottest yes. thing in coaching? <laughs> Y'all even know where he is now? I he, was, uh, he was with the Bills last that year. That was the last He's place I saw him. Quarterback's yeah. coach for the Bills. Yeah. Wow. Yep. Yep. Well, they got a pretty damn good quarterback yeah. in Josh Allen. And that's also Matt Rule's fault because he took Joe Brady exactly. from LSU. Yeah, it is. Right. Took him to Carolina. Yeah. Number one, Uggas gettable. They're gettable. Now, will they get got? Eh, who knows? But they're gettable. This is not, this team is not uh, the imperial uh, death force that they were a year ago. They're still very good and one of the best teams in the country. By far, but because like we talked about, they're a little bit bored. They have a new quarterback. You know that. Look, you you don't lose. You know, like forty NFL guys off two years of a roster, and then look the same. Even though a year and a half from now, it's probably going to be at the same kind of look. But this is a younger team. They've got to to kind of really come through this. But they're gettable. They certainly they're not rolling out and and drilling people like they were. So they can be. I just don't know if they will be because sometimes if you can get through those things like Auburn, then, you know, you, you just move on or through Or even it. South Carolina. They've trailed by double digits in the last two games at a halftime or during the first half. That's, that's playing with fire. Yeah, I mean, they are they are gettable, like you said. I mean, that was evidenced by last weekend. They were in a position to, to potentially lose that game. Um, you know, it's been weird. I was mentioning Ray Davis. Like, the odds of him running like he did last weekend against Florida are pretty slim. But, I mean, Georgia's run defense isn't, like, what you would expect, like, like the top-level, top-notch to be. Like, there is some 
some room there to run a little bit potentially for Kentucky. Their pass defense has been really good, though. And then on offense, I think that they're still trying to find their run game a little bit. Like they had a string of like NF, like every position is a string of NFLers. But, um, you know, I think that that's still a work in progress. So uh, the running offense and running defense, I think, are, are two areas you could look where maybe they're not exposed, but they're a little bit vulnerable. And we'll see how Kentucky can maybe, you know, uh, I guess attack those areas, but they're still light years better than basically every other team in the country in, in many ways, if not always. And so, uh, yeah, they're, they're still tough to top as was evidenced last weekend, but there's, there's some team out there that can knock them off on the right Saturday or in the, in the right, uh, the right moment. All right, yeah. Paul, there you go. They're gettable. Uh, he, no one's got a, a gettable. They are gettable. Uh, Georgia board will find out because uh, Kentucky is a team that doesn't make a lot of mistakes they don't screw up very much, and obviously they are a team that can can play with you physically too. All right, thanks to Owen, Garrett Ross, Jack McKenzie, Levi, and Emery. We appreciate all of them for being a part of the show and making us do what we do and look the way we do, which is hard sometimes. For Craig Smoke and Paul Catalina, for our great sponsors as we opened up yet another month in October of college football season. I'm David Smoke. Thank you very much. Have a great night. Tomorrow we are loaded up with numerous guests, including Scott Drew, Mac Rhodes, Joey McGuire, and more. 365 Sports. Good night. Ideal MRI is a small family business right here in Central Texas. We're open to support you while lowering the cost of health care bills. When you need an MRI, ask your doctor for an Ideal MRI. Visit us at 